Hello everyone, welcome back for another episode of Don't Talk, if you don't know. The unofficial official podcast dedicated to all things high-level teamfight tactics in North America. And this is episode number 26. The monster attack set wrap, and what a wrap it will be, because it is officially official. Here at Don't Talk, if you don't know, North America is on top. Number one region in all of the land let's go ahead and introduce everybody to this episode my name is froden i'm your host as always joined with me by bryce esports law brum <coughs> bryce welcome back to a regular episode uh, of dti ydk what's up man feels good to be back i'm officially done with my break i i was thankful enough to get a pbe account that actually can access the pbe i've been playing a little bit over the last couple of days set nine seems fun but i'm very excited to tie a bow on uh set eight here we had some some big things happen for north american grats to replay we'll say that a lot over the course of the episode and each I and every know. time it will be deserved <laughs> it'd be great and, that, and, and with that let's go ahead and introduce re replay once more you're back basically in two episodes because we can't have the world champion just skip the set wrap so welcome back to the show how's life since the win man I mean, it's 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 been honestly same old, same old, but happy to be here again. <laughs> All right, I mean, you are, you're streaming. You're you're streaming more. You every time I see you live, you've got a decent amount of viewers. That's got to be at least a little bit different, right? Yeah, yeah, a lot, a lot more dumb people in my chat these days. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, there's the trade-offs okay. for sure. <laughs> He's beginning to learn. He's beginning to learn. Uh, we also have another world finalist, Wajin Iverson, joining us as well, or uh, W Asian version is. Some of the nicknames being thrown around these days. What's up, Wajin? Welcome back. Yeah, really, really good to be back on. Feels like it's been a while, so uh, super happy to be back. And uh, nice talking to you guys again. Yep, that's right. So we're going to do a recap of the World Championship. We're going to review the entire season, cup by cup. And then we're going to do a agree. And then we're going to do a set rankings. Well, quotation marks reveal. Usually on this episode, we're supposed to kind of like build up to it, but I'm pretty sure most people understand what's going to be at the very top because of what ended up <laughs> yeah. transpiring. So we released it a little bit earlier. Um, but man, let's just talk about, you know, the big elf in the room, which is the world championship, right? Everyone wants to kind of reflect, celebrate it. Now that we've had some time to process it, I'm going to go to re-replay first. You know, you talk, we had the interview on the broadcast. You joined Robin's stream to talk about it. But now that you've had some time to process, what's, you said life is pretty much the same, but kind of walk us through those winning moments when you realized you were a champion and what was going through your head during those games. Yeah, I don't know. It's pretty crazy because, like, I think, like, with the checkmate format, like, you never actually know if you're winning because, like, I was really far ahead for, like, a lot of the, the last day. At the same time, I was, like, not really having my expectation off because, like, you kind of have to get lucky to win one game. Like, you might be the best player, but, like, it doesn't really matter. You need a, you need a high roll. Like, you need a good opener. Like, you, I don't know, you need undergrounds and a sword or something like that. To, to bottle win so like it really especially like the last game it didn't really seem like i was winning until i won like, until like I, like literally the last fight like i was like not really convinced i've won so it was it was pretty sudden to be honest all right well i think a lot oh sorry about that i think a lot of people were also curious about kind of like were you feeling nervous were you was were, you know what was going on because not to put you too much on blast uh, on the other side, but you were the only player that was kind of like in that mix there that wasn't having a camera on, so he couldn't see what was actually going on emotion-wise. Were you experiencing the pressure during this? Yeah, so for, so for some reason, I, I, I didn't actually. I don't really know why, because I know during regionals, like the last day, like I was super stressed, like like the whole whole regional tournament. Like day one, I was like out like behind, I was stressed. 
like for some reason throughout the whole worlds, like I just didn't really feel the stress. I feel like half of it was like because it was in the morning. I was like too half too tired to like feel stress, I guess, or something like that. Got it, um, got it. Okay. Are you a morning person in general? Hours wise, was this huge shake up for you? Was it pretty normal? Oh, I think it was pretty. I think it was very good for me. Like, I think I play a lot better in the mornings, and I think my like my like get some caffeine in me, be up for two hours, and like that's probably like the best best time I am like mentally. I guess sick the morning buff. Do you know what you're doing with your money? You got your plus one fifty k. Ah, probably just gonna invest in call it a day. Like yeah, badge, but correct. <laughs> Got it. Wait, talk to me about your worlds. Uh, looked like you were really hot first two days, and then yeah, what, 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 was, what was going on in day number three? Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, like, day number three, like, my first lobby was, like, it was just, like, the most high-roll lobby of all time. Uh, like, the like, games were just, like, like four people with, like, 2-1 underground opener and, like, stuff like that was happening every game. Like, uh, I, I don't game. really think there was much I could have done in those games, but I think, like, uh, overall, like, I think the pressure kind of got to me. I probably lost out on, like, 10 points or something that I should have got, so... Maybe just a combination of like playing some high roll lobbies and like uh like cracking under pressure. Got it. Um, is it because you think there was it, what, what, what what was causing you to get nervous? Because I feel like you weren't nervous in the other tournaments. Was it just like the realization of what was going on with the World Championship? Uh, yeah, I would say so. Like, it, I mean, it's for sure the biggest event out of all of them. And also, like, I think uh, another thing that was kind of contributing to that was like my games ended up being like super first rate. So I felt like I just went through like a lot of highs and lows like during the tournament like a lot of like a uh, emotional toll that's relatively par for the course for you though right i mean w the data backs up and i stylistically i've always observed you to be like more of a first or eighth oriented player is it that you had more eighths in the mix that you're used to or do you feel like it was even pushing you more that direction than you would normally go mm, yeah maybe yeah probably just like got like a, a few eights and then like it was just like really hard to like uh not not tilt and like uh play my best Okay. All right. All right. So let's go ahead and just show a little bit about some of the highlights of the World Championship. Uh, I think we'll start off with the with, with the, some of the fun stuff, which was uh, yes, I did end up cosplaying as Pizza Delivery Server as part of it, but uh, nailed it. <laughs> there's a lot of really cool uh, things about the the broadcast in general that felt really like um, just more legitimate, right? I want to give kind of a shout out to the EMEA casting crew. Yes. They are inferior to us in terms of playing skill, but their production and everything they put into the show felt really, really good. I mean, Bryce, you were watching it. You, you I mean, you, you obviously I would love yeah. to have you there, but it felt like you were also really enjoying it from the fans' perspective. Oh, I loved it from a fans' perspective. It was a great show from start to finish. They do an awesome job from from the broadcast perspective. I mean, my primary emotion watching it, aside from enthusiasm for the quality, was jealousy. I want to be there. I want to do it. I haven't gotten to do worlds and been four sets now so um yeah i mean it was a it was a great production really enjoyed all the fun stuff the stu the staging was awesome the casting was obviously great look at those outfits i mean it was just a it was a really really fun event and winning helps winning helps it was a lot we were we went ballistic on the co-stream i don't know replay if you went back and watched any of the like winning moments from other people's perspective but we were all pretty freaking hyped for you so it was uh, it was really fun I'm having some trouble pulling up the video. So I did have one video asset prepared. It is the winning moment of the World Championship, but looks like it's just not loading on the screen. But you have to go back and watch it. It was very, very exciting. I basically lost my mind on broadcast. Yep. There's actually a moment where I, the photographer, I, I was actually jumping and the photographer almost caught it. Uh, unfortunately, I just looked like a giant blur, which I think was kind of the rem rem reminiscent of the entire weekend, honestly. It just all was one giant blur.
All right, let's pull up the final standings of the World Championship and go over how the top eight shook out. First was re-replay from North America, as you know. Flancy from China getting second, almost making it four in a row. YBI won from SEA in third place. Great showing from them. Vincent from Korea having a great follow-up performance from set seven, getting fourth. Enzo from France, Emi making the final lobby, finally for the first time in a couple of years. Tech Summers from LATAM making another good performance. Shima Pen from Japan and Setsuko in eighth place. This is pretty much the representation of all the regions out there minus OC in Brazil, which I put out a power rankings of tier of the regions beforehand. I got a lot of flame from the a Brazilians who yeah. were like, why are you underestimating Brazil? And, and you know, OC was like, OC will not be silenced. They were the only two regions to not make final lobby. So I think I ended up being correct in that. But at the same time, they were really close. They were like, you know, ninth place, I think, with um, with skillfulism. And then some Brazilian players were really competitive to the end. So I want to kind of toss it back to re-replay and Wage and Iverson. What was, what was the most impressive region to you um, that wasn't outside of, like, North America or China, which were two of the favorite regions? We'll start off with re-replay. Um, like, in my perspective, I thought, like, NA was quite far ahead, and, like, the other regions were, like, pretty similar in strength. I think, in particular, I thought Japan was kind of surprising. Like, they were really strong in scrims also. So I thought going into the tournament, like, Japan seemed like a very strong reason to me. Okay, and and what was uh, what was impressive about them specifically? Was there anything outstanding out? Or were they just playing good? I think they were they just played consistently. Like I I feel like in scrims, like scrims is kind of fake. Like, a lot of people troll. But, like for a lot of the other regions, like I just saw like weird plays. I see people in weird spots. So like they either not playing seriously or like they're not like I don't know. They're just like not the most consistent players. But like I, I didn't really see that for the Japan players at least. Okay. Weishin, um, what what about you? What was is it, what, what was the most impressive region outside of some of the favorites heading into the championship? Mm, I mean, I guess Korea could maybe be considered one of the favorites, but I was really impressed by the Korean players. I thought uh, Bintum played super amazing this tournament, and uh, also was like super great in scrims. And uh, also Doctor O, uh, another Korean player, he didn't do that great at Worlds, but I thought he was a really really good player going in. What really defines the Korean strengths in your mind? Uh okay, well. I played a lot of scrims with uh, Bintom, especially, and like uh, he was playing some like super like crazy lines that I don't think anyone else would like even consider to play. So just like almost kind of like maybe it was just because it was scrims, but he he almost just like didn't care and he was like like willing to like test stuff and just willing to play whatever he thought was like uh, good, even if it was like unconventional. Yeah, he's he's willing to reroll pretty much anything. Uh, that's one of the one of the, the more interesting things, and also he was like one of the few people that felt like he made Anima Squad work consistently, like. A lot of people tried to make Anima Squad, especially China. I was I was very surprised by how often they were forcing the line. Did not succeed very much. Um, but hey, look, I think Korea, Korea, like their their best players, everyone know are pretty elite. It's usually like people wonder if their best players are even competing anymore, right? Whether or not Bobe and Dudu and 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 My Paradise and Bintum, like we all know that they can really hang. Um, I'm excited to see if the new competitive news and stuff like that is is going to inspire Korea because it doesn't. I mean, Bryce, it doesn't feel like as legitimate if Korea isn't trying like full hard in some of the, these competitive titles because we know how good they can be. I mean, look, I've been an esports fan for a really long time, and there are some games where Korea is just not invested at all, and so then it doesn't, you know, like they don't play Call of Duty, so you're never gonna see them in Call of Duty, right? <laughs> um, but in every esport where they kind of dip a toe in the water, they're usually one of the best two to three regions in that game, if not the very best. They usually punch way above their weight from a population size perspective. In many ways, it's the home of esports, and so. Mm -hmm. 
you know, reading about some of Bebe's frustrations and getting a better understanding of what's been going on kind of in the Korean TFT sports scene has been sad. Because I want, I want TFT, you know, the most fun world championships of every region punching at full strength, every region getting an opportunity to kind of have their players go through qualifications, send the best players that they can, and have that level of investment. And it feels like we're, we haven't had that from Korea, uh, maybe ever, but definitely not for some time. And, you know, when LJ walking won Worlds, he was, from my money, the best player at that world championship. So we know the skill ceiling is there in terms of TFT specifically. We know it's there overall in esports, and I would love to see them get back to the point because i don't really consider them in general to be a major region on par with north america and china which to me i think north america was the clearly stronger region in this specific tournament i think china's in the clearly stronger region in the last three tournaments so it's a little bit hard to rest on our laurels too much there but i do think there's a fairly meaningful gap in general between north america china and everyone else and i don't put korea up there i don't put emea up there personally okay okay understood Let's talk a little bit about Satsuko. I think there's so much hype and momentum. Did anybody here get, like, I can even go to the players. Did any of you guys get to tap into Satsuko's mindset or like, what was it like playing against them on the final day? It felt like it was a different person competing, um, watching on the outside, but of course we only got a glimpse of his perspective. Uh, did either of you, Weijin or Replay, get a chance to either talk or, or like feel, feel him out a little bit more individually? Uh, I mean, I watched his games, uh, like, because um, I was eliminated, and uh, I don't know, like, the first two games, uh, I'm not really sure what it was, maybe, like, a bit of a combination of, like, low roll and some misplays, but I think, like, after those first two games, he just felt like he needed to play, like, super, yep. super first to rate because of the checkmate format. Like, it's a lot of pressure to be on, and, like, you just can't, like, it's super easy to fall behind, so I think he just uh, felt like he just needed to play super eight, first to rate, and then ended up making some decisions that he wouldn't normally make because he thought it would be like more likely to like lead him to a first mm, yeah that makes sense that is kind of the the drawback of uh checkmate i mean it's, it's, it's also kept him in right technically he could have done the setsuko thing and maybe going first 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 and potentially winning out so he always had a chance but at the same time i felt like he did play with desperation i think that first game really tilted him where uh, mm -hmm. i think he took an unnecessary risk basically he picked um rising spell force in a situation where i don't think he needed to he could play a lot more safe he missed really hard and then went eighth and he was just like oh my god i can't believe i started off my day like like terribly um but he dominated the other days alongside re-replay at one point it was na one two three uh which was yep. really really sick uh bryce you you got a good glimpse of it you were watching alongside uh it, what, what, did you get any did you agree with the wage and iverson's analysis here yeah, I do. I think uh, I, I weigh nerves heavily into this equation. I, I've spent a lot of time personally studying Setsuko because I think that he has, if not the, he's, he might have the highest skill ceiling of any player I've ever watched consistently, which is not to say that there's no one in the world that's higher, um, but, but I mostly watch North American players and his skill ceiling is off the charts. I think he really struggled to find that skill ceiling with any level of consistency in tournaments for a long time. I think that, you know, this narrative around him being a ladder warrior was actually somewhat correct for a while because he could play his game on ladder and he couldn't figure out how to translate and play his style in tournaments. And I think nerves would get through and he wouldn't play confidently. He wouldn't lean into the things that make him such a special player of TFT. And I think he largely solved that problem 
I'm trying to remember exactly when I could go back. I should go back through my messages with him because him and I have had multiple conversations about this. And there was one tournament where I remember reviewing his VODs afterwards where he did well. Maybe it was like Jade Cup or something. And I remember watching that tournament and saying, messaging him afterwards and saying, just out of curiosity, did this feel different to you? Because it looks different to me when I'm watching. And he said, it absolutely did feel different. I'm surprised you noticed. But yeah, I just like felt like, fuck it. I'm just going to play my game. And I think he's basically been doing that ever since. And that's why he's been such a consistent tournament player this mm -hmm. whole set. It's why he was, you know, number one in points going into the final day, and I think that he just did not bring his A game. We could all speculate about why that is, but I, this was not the set, same Setsuko that played as well on the first two days and throughout the entire tournament, which is a bummer. The flip side is he's a fucking animal, and he will be back. I really, truly believe he will get another shot at this, and um, if he gets another shot, he's as likely as anyone in the tournament to win the, to win the whole thing. Yeah, I think most people really wanted Setsuko to win just for the narrative, but... Uh, it's kind of like Milk in some ways. We know that this will only motivate him more, and Asuka's yep. not allowed to ever quit TFT unless he kind of wins a world championship. It feels like he's going to keep going for a very, very long time. Um, the last thing I wanted to kind of bring up was the, that there was pickums going on. It's actually really cool that Riot was investing kind of like a little bit of the fantasy aspect. Everyone who watches the podcast knows that we love our fantasy drafts, and everyone got a chance to do it as well with pickums. I hope you guys... Uh, did well i did okay i got like a thousand and thirteen points which is actually like top like 250 or so in terms of the people who perform i don't know how many people actually did it but the fact that riot was willing to do that was really cool and i hope that they uh continue to do that i will say that i got my final lobby almost right on the money um except for setsuko uh not doing well but i did predict re-replay and flancy and and everyone else kind of following suit so really really cool stuff um okay so with that uh i mean i feel like it's a pretty decent recap of the world championship but i did want to ask people to rank the regions post worlds going after after set eight has finished so i wanted to hear re-replay what do you think uh is on top because obviously i think i'm gonna say you're probably gonna say north america but i want you to kind of go through and rank the regions because i want a little bit of that fire going to set nine yeah, like I honestly don't have a great ranking. Like, like I, I feel like to me, like a lot of the regions blur. Um, I think it's NA for sure. I think China and Japan are like probably like two, three to me. And then like after that's kind of hard. Like I think Korea is probably number four ish. And then from there, it's like yeah, like you can just throw them in a pile. I think EU is probably probably not the greatest though. <laughs> okay, all right, not Maybe the not greatest. They're not the greatest yet. Maybe they can uh, show us up in future sets. Region, give me, give me just your off the cuff. What do you think are the strongest region orders, if there is one to you? Uh, what you mean, like in that specific tournament, or just in general? No, just in general. Just like your your general region, uh, your your region rankings right now. Uh, in general, like I, I might actually put China first, just because I feel like China has like a lot more depth than NA. Like I feel like there's like so many players in China who are like like could all make worlds and like could qualify to regionals and stuff like that. But I feel like an NA, like, uh, I don't know. I feel like a lot of like low challenger NA players would not have a chance to do that. Um, so I okay, feel like I might actually get China first. talking about you, Bryce. How dare you? Not anyone in particular, just, uh, yeah. Any, anyway, so I, I might actually put like, but like China NA very close. I think in the tournament NA was better. Um, and then probably afterwards, I think I would actually put Korea third and maybe EMEA fourth. Oh, interesting. So you're showing respect to EMEA. Why, why is that? Because it feels like a lot of people but, can't wait to dump but, on them. 
the disrespect of Dan saying that you put them fourth and that his respect is just beautiful, by the way. Now you can answer now you can answer his question. Oh, I mean, I think like okay, the thing is the tournament is only like like twelve games for most yeah. people, right? But like we were playing scrims like ten games a day for like like maybe like a week or something, or maybe longer than a week. So I mean just from like uh scrims, like th this is kind of like my read from like scrims, which is a much larger sample size. And I feel like EMEA was like performing decently well in scrims, uh, mm. like in my lobbies at least, or, or the lobbies I was watching as well. Yeah, uh, I think Ging was doing pretty well in scrims in particular. I was, I didn't expect Ging to like crush the tournament like a hundred percent, but I was actually surprised to see him towards the almost the very bottom. It was very uh, surprising to see, but he's made it also to three world championships, and yeah. that puts him just behind Juan May in terms of. This year number appearances that guy is a beast and i'm sure ema will eventually have their day who knows how long it takes is it next set is it three sets from now is it 10 years from now we'll only have to find out but uh, that's the beauty about tft i ask all the time for people to name another esport where oceana right can actually win the world championship of an esports of, of an esports circuit there really is none tft part of what makes it exciting is that anybody can win and they came, a lot of people came very close to potentially upsetting checkmate if it things fell a little bit differently china potentially could have won four times in a row you could have seen bintum or 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 japan sea right a region i think it had actually impressed a lot of people um let's see what they got going into set nine we'll see we'll see uh, all right, cool. So with that, we also want to review the other portions. Oh, wait, of... do you want do you want me to rank or no? It's fine if you do not. Oh, oh, sure, Bryce. Yeah, go go ahead. Rank the regions. Go ahead. Rank the regions. Well, I mean, look, high level. I think it's a very clear one two in China and A. I too would give China the slight edge overall. If you told me we're going to run the next five world championships who do i think has highest average placement i think i would take china and i would take in a second i there's a world in which we send a roster as stacked as this one i think this was our best top to bottom roster probably ever definitely since set four which i think was probably our other like really 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 strong roster when we sent dqa in peak form which was really scary ramkev very scary socks very scary in Kurum. um so i thought you know this was all four players very legitimately competitive would not have surprised me to see any of them there at the end of the tournament on the top eight or even winning the whole thing um and but i think that a lot of time we don't send a roster that's quite as well-rounded whereas china more consistently will mm -hmm. i i don't know how anyone can look, so i agree with that look you, one world championship is very small sample size overall right but i linked in chat nature's tweet where he compiled all of the stats across all of the world championships and it gets pretty clear direction right i mean if you look at emea they are almost dead last in average placement at 4.65 and if you eliminate they were they were really good three and four sets ago right like they won casey double wins worlds and then they send i think three of the top eight the following year so all of their good data is pretty old and if you watch these guys play if you actually do the i'm, I'm talking about not just the data of how badly they have performed at worlds but if you watch them play these games oh, at worlds in general it has not been impressive in general, when I have studied their play in between days of worlds or when I've studied their regional play and in order to try to learn to like, you know, in the direction to worlds or, you know, to study for North American worlds or in a ye worlds going on at the same time, it's not that scary. And I think that they make a meaningful amount of mistakes. And this is, you know, pain with the broad brush not to say everyone is bad or everyone makes these mistakes or whatever. But I don't really know, quite frankly, 
how anyone could look at the overall data from Worlds or look at the actual gameplay of these players and do the same thing for North America and say these two things are roughly co-equal. They're not. Maybe they will be again. Maybe EU will improve its performance again. But right now, it's not actually that close overall competitively. Um, so I lump I lump EMEA with with essentially the next tier down in regions. I think that there's some much smaller regions like Oceania that are always going to probably be at the bottom of the ranking. And then, quite frankly, I don't have enough perspective on like Latam versus Brazil versus Japan versus KR to have a particularly strong POV on that subject. And I don't want to speak out of pocket on something where I don't really know. Region size plays a, plays a difference. I also think like some of the some of the more well-developed regions benefit greatly from kind of the collective mind share. NA is broken down into these different study group pockets. And then when we get to worlds, like the level of work that the four of you guys put in this year of helping each other, preparing, thinking collaboratively was the highest we've ever seen. Dan and I, you know, do a group chat every year with all the world's qualifiers. And it was really cool to see. And I think that gives you a big overall edge as a region for worlds. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate it. <laughs> the five minute long speech diatribe no, was like two EU. minutes uh, hey look yimmy is still number one at least one category the number of players set we pulled up the little graphic on on stream here they sent 31 players what a, what a w no nah, no huge huge shout out to japan by the way final day rate Wait. is really impressive they punch Pound for pound, pretty high above their weight they do. class. And, and wait, I want to respond to something in chat because I see this argument all the time. Lul NA wins one world championship and now they're the best. No, man, we're not the best because we win one world championship. I'm not even saying that we are the best. Quite frankly, I don't care how many how many world championships a region has won. Winning worlds is an unbelievably high variance exercise. It is really shitty data for trying to determine what's the best region, but Average placement over the course of every single qualifier or region is sent over the course of five world championships. That actually is pretty good data. And I see people make this argument all the time. I'm, I'm really thankful, Replay, thank you for getting this, <laughs> getting this monkey off our back. So now I don't have to listen to this bullshit argument anymore. But quite frankly, it never mattered. The fact that EU had won a world championship before this and NA hadn't did not change my perspective on what was the stronger region. It's irrelevant data uh milk's in chat talking about ping was that was, so so ping was obviously not a big factor for you i'm assuming waging and replay but did you did you feel like that was a factor for other people at all did you like notice any players kind of messing up because of it mm, i mean i think it's hard to say because like yeah. i played with good ping um i feel like in tft like ping doesn't matter too much but like in really specific spots like if you're thinking fast like late game like late like late game position like it could it could definitely make a difference if it's like 0.1 average placement or something, I kind of doubt it. I think it's okay. a lot smaller than that. Okay. All right. Um, there was one play where I think uh, like you, was it you or Satsuka who like juked a really good Zephyr? And I think uh, Bintom was trying to swap, but he didn't. But that was like, that's like the very small percentage of the time. And it might affect like one round. But I like what Iniko says. It is copium invented by EU never forgets. Ping I mean, is not real. China has China has the same ping problem, and it has not stopped them from thoroughly <laughs> dominating the majority of the world championships. So I'm not saying it's zero impact because it definitely has some impact. But the notion that like if you solved this ping problem, it would dramatically change these results. I'm not sure that bears out. All right, all right, all right. I love it. I love it. Thank you, Bryce, for getting one little punch in there before we wrapped up the world's uh, recap. Let's talk a little bit about 
to set in reflection and this is not supposed to be something we take a long time it's just more about like the greatest hit so what i want to do is uh pull up an event and i'm going to just basically prompt somebody to talk about it and just tell me like one or two things that really stuck out to you about like maybe your favorite moments or like a funny thing that happened and that's just because so much tft happens that we just don't really stop to remember right and that's kind of what i want because i feel like it's so easy just to forget about some of the cool moments that happened this set so let's start off with the first which is defender cup which cottontail won dish yeah. got second and remember this is back-to-back seconds for dish he got second at summit and he had gotten second at defender cup uh and so it was like kind of a big breakup for him robin getting third shout din din if you remember xdd top four and written then wage and iverson and Setsuko, the first of many final lobbies for them so wage i want you to go first what was the what was one of the highlights of, of defender cup for you if you can recall one or two, two moments oh man it was a while ago but uh i know it's in seventh uh so i guess it's like uh cool and like also like uh like a cool benefit of the new format because like with the old format i wouldn't have really had a chance i think so yeah, just one of the benefits of the new format where they cut to 16 first. Love it, love it. Shout out to some of the, some of the other performers like G and Pros as well. That was definitely a cool moment. Then we had the Corrupted Cup, which uh, said Suko got the win. And for people wondering, we did, want, we, we did also ask Suko if he wanted to be on the podcast as well. We'd love to have reminisce with him. He said, invite me in set nine, which I'll, because he wants to move past the World Championship in terms of his uh, remembering. But he did have a really fantastic run here. Clear getting second, which was his best performance. And then Buzzyboo kind of coming out of nowhere from like retirement into like playing for fun and getting top three. And then re-replay rounding up that top four. Malala, DQA, Gyalu, and KPK. Replay, talk to me about Corrupted Cup. Was this one of the, because I remember you were talking about how each tournament and each like month that was passing, you were, you were shaking off that rust. Was this around that turning point for you where you felt like that rust was gone? Oh, I'm pretty sure at this tournament, I was like not anywhere close to a top four player. I think I was still pretty bad, bad at Corrupted Corrupt. Really? I just got lucky. Um, <laughs> yeah, like I, I feel like my, my first half performance of the sets, like I was not that good, but like my turning for results are like kind of okay. So it's, yeah, like I probably just high rolled to my fourth tier. When you say you weren't as good, was it because you were just like making a lot of mistakes? Was it like, you know, were you making bad meta reads? Like what, what, what was your weaknesses in this, in this point? Oh, I think my weaknesses at this point was like literally everything. Like I haven't played TFT in such a long time. I was like probably two two months into playing TFT. Like, <laughs> like, like you only be go so good so fast. So like, like I, my mistakes were everything pretty much. Okay, okay. Side question: Were you aware that Gangly Nick Pasquale was was hyping you up so much that he was like telling me, he was like, why aren't you picking re replay in all your fancy drafts? Were you aware that this was going on while you were like trying to shake off the rust? Um. Like, like, even, like, in my first, like, my tourney results were, like, pretty solid, I think, even in, like, set eight. Like, I, I, I kind of knew he was my fan, because, like, I saw, like, the power rankings, and, like, mm. like, he would have me, like, obscenely high relative to everyone else. <laughs> but, like, like, looking at pure statistical standpoint, like, it, it kind of made sense. Like, it was reasonable, I think. Okay, 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 understood. Well, that was fun, and that was, Wait, like, the... was this, was this the tournament where he, he opened off, you opened off going 8-8 eight, eight, re-replay, re and then you came all the way back? Or was that a different tournament? Um, my, there was one because there was one tournament where Gangly was hyping you up. Can't believe, couldn't believe you didn't get fantasy drafted, and you went eight eight, and we were all giving him a bunch of shit right afterwards. And then you like brought it all the way back. Or am I thinking of someone else, Dan? Uh, I mean, that's that, that, that was Amdi. That was Amdi last set. Oh, was it okay? Never it mind. Repeat in general doesn't go eighth. Just as FYI. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I know. It's the dad's spot, not yeah. usually eighth. Yeah. yeah but, yeah, yeah, you really, really don't go. He'll, he'll take a seventh. He'll take a seventh. That's right. Seventh yep. is his and his alone. 
Uh, let's go to I the mid seven now. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, what's that? Wait, wait. Before we move on from Corrupted Cup, uh, I think I should shout out like Malala for his performance because um, I think he actually played through day one in Corrupted Cup and he like smurfed like every day and made final lobby. I feel like uh, not a lot of people talked about that. Yep. Uh, but I feel like it's actually really rare for someone like uh, playing through day one to make final lobby. So like, I feel totally. like you actually don't see that much at all. Was this a tournament? Yeah, that... I, I did it in Corrupted and Defender. Or in Defender, I was like second in the last lobby. But, like, so I, played I played day one, one uh, in, in both the set okay, one journeys okay, okay, okay. because. I was not very good. So I played through day one all the way to the final day, like both of them. Got Pog. it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Um, was Corrupted Cup the one where Malala got a second life because. Uh, no, that was, was mid set. That was mid set. All right. Well, on that, that note, let's show mid set finale with Malala going second, Wage and Iverson going first, and Boss of Skills. This was kind of like the coming out party of the Showtime Sucks server. I think that was peak uh, of what the, the server was able to accomplish as a group. They had a fantastic read and they all performed well. And then Broccoli having also his breakout performance, the top four, Dish Open Fit, DQA Pros, and Buzzy Boo. Weijin, talk to me about mid-set. Was this, was this the peak? Was this the best you've ever been at TFT? Because it looked like it was a dominant performance by you. Uh, yeah, I think this was probably my peak form. Like, I think on ladder before mid-set, I, I was like 80% top four rate over like, 50 games or something it was like pretty absurd and uh also one thing that i don't miss that that i never really mentioned before is like my game six was my only bot four but like i think that game like if i didn't low roll my four admin like it could have been very easily been like a first like i could have been like two 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 one one man which i think would have been pretty cool but all good which, which would have been tied in terms of robin's like straight up points that you're able to get with one 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 five one uh extremely impressive uh run man and Honestly, the world spot was very deserved. And of course, all the people who made deep runs, like we saw Buzzy Boo, another top eight here. Uh, Malala, another top eight. And DQA, who just seems to always be a threat uh, in every tournament Bryce enters. Uh, one of these days, we're going to have to start taking this, this guy a little bit more seriously than just... It's kind of a meme, which is where he is right now. <laughs> it might be. It might be this set. Uh, I, I don't want to spoil because I want to get there when we get to him on the rankings. Okay. But, uh, great, great, but great, great. yeah. Let's not spoil. Let's not spoil him. Um, let's go to Mecha Cup. Well, we had Spatham win with Ripple Overdrive right behind him. It was kind of an okay business one-two. This practice group was cracked. Asa having a comeback event. And then Kindle Gem began one of his very many deep runs in tournaments, followed by Sasuko re-replay. You guys are starting to sense a theme here, by the way, of why we had these two people mm -hmm. on the show, ping-ponging back and forth uh, final lobbies. Spearkles and Robin Songs re-replay. What do you remember from Mecha Cup? What stood out to you? Oh, I think I learned like the most from Mecha Cup because going into the last game, I was up two points on everyone else. And I went the most uncontested eighth of all time. Like my mental just like it was I was playing Sivir reroll. I couldn't hit a Sivir two on three two with 50 plus gold and my mental just shattered. Oh. Um, like I definitely played the game like very badly. But, like I just couldn't like handle like low rolling in a bad in a bad like in a high pressure situation. I could have definitely salvaged a way better spot. So like I feel like going eighth here was was really good for me. Like from like a like learning from like knowing that I can't like just like lose complete focus like when I'm mm -hmm. not rolling as well yeah yeah job's not finished um and it helps you keep you locked in because if you look at the rest of your scores man you were you were on a tear right no bot yeah. fours all day kind of crushing it and then all of a sudden that eighth and just like gut punch but uh hey like you said what doesn't kill you makes you stronger so well played there also shout out to Spethum right for actually putting on quite an interesting yep. performance playing off meta um very very cool which brings yeah, us Go ahead. 
Oh, I remember watching Smetham teams after this tournament, and like the lines he played in this tournament were like actually kind of sweet to me. Like I don't remember the details, but like he was he was playing some wild stuff this tournament, which was really like really impressive winning. He's an exciting player. He's also he by his own admission a four fun player, and also he recently posted that uh, TFT has led to him finding happiness. He's in a relationship. He's really happy about it. Look at Love that. It. Look at that. TFT players one at a time. Losing motivation to grind. <laughs> uh, let's move on to the North American Regional Finals, where Jukyu took first place, re replay in second. Tetsuko, Kindle Gem, Roby, Deepay, Ripple, and Malala. Let's start with um let's start with Weijin, actually. So cause you're the person that I think people had the most surprised about the results, because you were just on that bubble in day one. You missed out by, I think, by like one point. Um, what what happened at regionals from your perspective? Oh, I just got like, okay, every, like my first three games or something were just like one 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 hero augment. And then like, I was like forced into like play some like reroll lines. And then I just like missed on my roll down. Uh, okay. Uh, so I'm like, yeah, I, I probably, probably could have made day two, but yeah, it was like tough. We love hero augments. Yay! Yeah, well, I, mean, I was very happy that I rated Replay very, very highly and Ripple very highly going to regionals, and then they both did very well. So, they both nice. did well, yeah. good prediction uh, by me. And it wasn't. Wait, just... how, how highly did you rank them? Do you remember? Oh, I think I put them like four and five or something. Three oh, and four. Good. Yeah. yeah, going to regionals, it was like a lot of people felt like there was a top three and then gap, right? It was Setsuko, Dish Soap, Weijin, and then the question would be whether or not you include Robin in the mix of that. And a lot of people were like, meh, maybe, maybe not. Um, yeah. and that, but Wage and Iverson was putting like Ripple and, and, and Re Replay really high as well. Yeah, he's got, so he's got Ripple cool. at four and Re Replay at five. Pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Really good stuff. Really good stuff. The, the, these players have an eye for talent. That's why you got to pay attention to, to the ones who are right consistently. Oh. oh, speaking of which, and this is great because I didn't do a ranking, so no one can throw anything in my face. But Dan, Re Replay at 12. Oh, Ripple's Ooh. at seventh. That's pretty good. But Dan, fame. 12? Uh, no, I, I, I meant to put them at uh, at 1 and 2. I misclicked. Oh, that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, that makes exactly. sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Look, I knew that re Play belonged on the list. I didn't know where it was. But a lot of times in this zone, I just like, these are players that belong here. I just don't know where they go. Uh, One of the tough things about really regionals ranking specifically is that there's a lot of players that don't really bring their A game outside of regionals. And then on the mm -hmm. flip side, there's a lot of players who like re replay have had really good sets and they get to regionals and they kind of flame out pressure levels higher on, on the lobby pressure is higher on the player you never know exactly how someone's going to be in that environment right um and ironically it sounds like replay you actually felt really nervous did really well and then somehow did not feel nervous at world so there you go and it's, it's when you're doing these rankings it's so hard to predict some of those kind of intangibles that is fair thank you for coming to my defense yeah for sure <laughs> And it's only fitting because we just got a raid from Robivan Kenobi, but we, of course, have to talk about the Western LCQ, which Roby put on quite a performance. Second place. It was so exciting. I'll just tackle this one. Uh, this made me inspired to believe that we just need more international tournaments. Worlds plus one LCQ day isn't really enough. It just feels really cool to see all the clash of styles. You could already mm -hmm. see like the way LATAM versus Brazil versus EMEA kind of clash. It was a really exciting day. Plus, uh, LCQ formats are just unique because everyone has to be playing first or eighth from the very get-go because there's only one spot. The only thing I would say is that Western LCQ probably, or LCQ in general probably needs to have more than one spot because that just feels 
super punishing, but uh, maybe that's just what the competition is. I I'm not entirely sure. With SEA coming to the full, we have fewer spots. Maybe the answer is just more spots at Worlds, period, but then that delays the prize pool, makes logistics more complicated. We'll see. We'll see. Overall, I think that LCQ was really, really fun and inspiring, and uh, I, I liked it a lot. And uh, with that, that's our set reflection. Just kind of picking up some of the highlights as we move on to the official rankings. No, I'm oh, sorry. We have agree. agree. We have agree before we do that. I rearranged it. I apologize. Let's do agree. There we go. Agree. And so you guys know how it works. We're going to go down the line. We're going to put out a statement and ask the chat or ask the panel if they agree. And then you in the chat can also vote as well. So let's start off with kind of a kind of an easy one based on what we just said which is uh tft world's format is as good as it gets checkmate is the best format for this event we've talked about formats talked about the world championship number of slots etc do we believe that check or that this format for worlds including checkmate is currently the best let's start off with Wajin iverson uh so i i actually like how day one day two work pretty well like um like everyone gets to play 12 games i think it'd be really it would feel really bad to like qualify to worlds and then you're eliminated after like mm -hmm. six games or something so i think it's really good everyone gets to play 12 games uh but i don't really like how the final lobby works i think like um from a player's perspective checkmate feels really bad it's like even if you play super well there's like potential for scenarios where you just lose to people with less points than you and like a lot of the time like like getting a first place it just comes down to like high rolling so even if it's a better viewer experience i think uh from a player's perspective i don't think it's the best format okay fair enough and i, and I think that is pretty reflective of a lot of people's main pain points with the format Re replay i mean you you won the format so i'm sure you, you have some interesting perspective as well oh yeah i, I kind of agree like the first two days i, I really like the 12 games i think for checkmate like there's a, there's a really real chance I go second in the last game and I finish like probably seven points higher than Flancy and somehow go second in the tournament, which like doesn't seem correct. I was kind of like thinking of a better format, like the, the first place to win the tournament makes a lot of sense. But I feel like they should have like a modified checkmate format where like if you're more than X points above second place, like you have to be, you have to be above a point threshold and within X points of first place and then X like changes over time. But you start getting like a little complicated, but like basically I think checkmate sucks. <laughs> checkmate sucks i mean so what we've had in the past was a secondary win condition right like so if you had you know 38 points or whatever that would be like enough to get the win if you didn't hit first place but yeah i see what you're saying it would have been a bad look if uh somehow fancy stole it from under you china wins four in a row and re replay clear by nine points but it didn't matter uh bryce format sucks i'm glad that we have two days you know that part was good that's a meaningful step in the right direction i hate checkmate i think it's a, a completely i don't know the right way to put it false premise this notion that it's better for the viewer i think is kind of asinine i think a lot of viewers if re, if the final lobby had gone the other we haven't yet to have a world where this has happened by the way so it's easy to be like eh, it's better it's hype you get to watch the winner but like if replay goes second in the last game and he loses worlds despite the fact that he has seven more points i think a lot of people not just people who were rooting for re replay would be like this is kind of stupid right why is the person who was clearly the best player this day and who was clearly the best like one of the best players throughout the entire tournament why are they not getting rewarded for that because they didn't win the final lobby tft already has an unbelievable amount of variance man i don't know that we i don't know that we want to lean further into variance in our competitive formats if you're gonna do it also 18 is a ridiculously low threshold and i get that they don't want world's final day to go on infinitely but 
I'm sorry, man. I just like it's the world fucking championship. Like, I don't care if someone blows people out of the water. That's an interesting story to tell as well. Right. If someone is way ahead, I would I would structure it like a golf tournament, man. I Four days, eliminate half the field after two days, keep the overall score and just run it all the way through. And then you're actually have a good chance of saying at the end of this, maybe it's not the very best player, but one of the best players is going to win that format. In this format, man, you can random your way into the final day, random your way across the threshold, get a W. You know, I will always remember that Zaiku almost won a world championship. <laughs> he basically threw the final game. It was his world championship and he was one of the worst players in the field and i don't say this with maliciousness towards zaiku it just it, he just wasn't very good at tft relative to the best players in the world that's not that bad right like way better than me you know way better than a lot of people um so anyway i just i really I, we have yet to be punished for this and so i think this format doesn't feel as bad to us as it ought but I think that we need to go completely the other direction with world formats, and I'm totally comfortable with the idea that it's a runaway in the final lobbies. There's only one or two or three people that are interesting. Sometimes in a golf tournament, you'll have a blowout. Sometimes in a golf tournament, you have a dogfight at the end with a bunch of people. All of them are very interesting stories to tell. Uh, and I don't know why we need Checkmate to make our world championship feel compelling. I think it's the world championship. I think it's compelling because of that. The stakes are high, very high. Interesting, interesting. Um, well, okay, so that's a lot to unpack. It looks like everyone here disagrees. I slightly agree with this because I, I, I think it's a different perspective when you cast Checkmate in the final game. There is a level of hype that you can't achieve in any other format because of Checkmate. I think the uniqueness of it um and it's exactly what you're saying bryce you're saying like you don't need to do this in any other game but that's almost what defines tft to me it's like because it's a game of variance it kind of creates this anything can happen scenario it almost feels like the, it is really hard to get this feeling anywhere else um and that that's for me from casting a lot of games throughout my, my my career so i would say that it's really exciting man it's really exciting to come down to the final fight where it's like fancy versus re-replay and if you can just get lost in the moment there if you're a tft fan it's really exciting if you're a re-replay fan you hate this it's just like why it's just he should win he's the, he's the rightful winner etc xyz but if you're china you're like oh my god this is like the craziest potential like come from behind victory ever so i think it's a matter of perspective um and so that's why i slightly agree because i can i feel the excitement man when i'm there casting final moment so personally yeah. it's a slight agree for me it's Chad, cheap excitement okay yeah I, okay so i understand what you're talking about it feels artificial it feels manufactured in, in a lot it's, of ways. it's super manufactured which yes. is runs contrary to the spirit of competitive sport and it, it particularly not in sport true. Where... not true at all in a soccer game because we're on north america podcast in a soccer game the penalty shootout is not what the game is about, but that's okay. what the game can come down so, to. So to be clear, you're cherry picking an example that a lot of people think is terrible. You're cherry picking something that a lot of people say that this should not be how we resolve the end of an important soccer game, particularly a very important soccer game like the champion, you know, Champions League final or World Cup final or something. So I don't know that that's the, the path you want to go down. <laughs> yeah, it's another example of artificially manufactured hype that is somewhat meaningfully divorced from the game itself right like tft isn't a game where you just only play for first place right that's not the goal of tft and in fact most of the time the best player in the lobby is not the one who won it 
right? Most of the best played game of TFT is not the person who got first. So anyway, we can move, we can move on from this topic, but I'll debate you till the cows come home. I think this is objectively bad. I think it's objectively oh, wow. incorrect. Decision. Also, like another small thing with the format is people like say that playing for first is like checkmate is good because you play for first. But a lot of times like playing for first is just playing, playing normally. Like there's, there's like 99.9% of decisions are the same whether you're playing for first or you're playing for average placement. So like it's 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 just a lottery, really. It's not like you're good at playing for first. It's just are you good at playing TFT? Yeah. Or okay, or enough. if to the extent that you are leading into playing for first, and oftentimes you're playing bad TFT because it's going to optimize your chance of going first, which isn't something we should be rewarding either. Well, chat seems to agree with the three of you. Seventy percent disagree. Thirty percent agree. That was a pretty good one. That was a pretty good one. It feels like we can probably revisit it maybe about six months from now when we have checkmate again. Because I'm pretty sure it's not going away anytime soon. All right, the second degree got coming up here. This one's a little bit spicier. In hindsight, set 8.5 will go down as a solid above average set in TFT history. This is in direct con con uh, contesting people who say that set 8 slash 8.5 was one of their least favorites of all time because of hero augments and all these different kinds of things. So. I want to see now that we've had a little bit of time to breathe everyone's focusing on set nine we have a little bit of clarity do we agree let's start off with re replay okay so in hindsight it might go down because i think the last two patches of 8.5 were very good like the last like two patches like the the meta was actually great like um and you could play the game but if you actually think about the whole set 8.5 like every other patch of 8.5 was like like not actually that good like it was not very balanced like you had like the kaisa patch like you just had patches where like you were really hard forcing on one or two comps and it felt like a lottery um but I, I could see in hindsight it actually going down as one of the best because the most important patches were actually in the best spot so like, like I, i'm gonna agree here but like not oh, for the good reasons is. all right i like it i like it we we squeeze that and agree from the world champ and you know what you kind of have to say it man because it's the set you won you can't just be like this is a bad set that i won i mean it was a great set oh, I, because you, because you oh. won it <laughs> Uh, all right, so Weijin, you're next. Oh god, I might be like the worst person to ask because the sets I played were like six, uh, seven, seven point five, eight, eight point five. So like compared to like set seven and seven point five, like eight point five was great, right? Like I was loving every minute of it compared to like dragons, but that's uh, a low ass bar, man. That's a yeah, really low bar. I don't know. Like, yeah, I don't know. Like uh, compared to like set three, four, five, uh, I would have no opinion. So. Maybe maybe this is actually a pass for me. Like I actually don't have enough information to to call it a average. No, 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 no. I mean, so but what you're saying is it has to be like it, it is right based off what you have experienced. Uh, of so the far. sets I played, yes, it is an above average. Set. <laughs> okay. All right, all right, Bryce. Okay, so I mean, you gotta take my opinions with like a pound of salt. I literally didn't play the set, so it's really hard to take my perspective too seriously. I do have a lot of directional data though, right? I played, yeah, I played yeah. quite a bit of set. I played quite a bit of set eight. And in that period, by the time I was done with set eight, I was completely convinced. And I think this is, in, there's no way I can be talked out of this, that hero arguments are fucking terrible and bad for TFT. And so it's hard for me to envision how 8.5 gets over the average hump just off the top of my head. Just everything can be perfectly balanced. They could all be great. Hero arguments are in the game and it's going to be below two, three, four, and six for me across the board oh, wow 
I, I, I don't know. I don't know how. I mean, like, yeah, five wasn't that good of a set overall. One wasn't either. But in fairness, it's hard to compare one. It was the first thing, man. It's like if you told me I could go back and play set one or play set eight, I would probably go back and play set one because the nostalgia factor, right? Like playing the OG TFT. So, yeah, I don't know. I think it's, it's got to fall in the bot half for me. I also will say that as someone who is taking a break, when I had conversations with my dozens of friends that play TFT regularly about how they were enjoying 8.5, in general, the answers to that question were very negative. So it's hard for me to, like, it, to the extent people are starting to feel better about it now because the final two patches were balanced, it, it feels like maybe a little bit of, like, recency bias coming into that decision-making. Um, but there are, like, most of you, when I talked to you guys about it, were not enjoying the time you were investing in set 8.5, and I think that's a big marker of whether or not, for me, it's an above-average set because I think usually people are enjoying it, and I just think it... Hero Augments kind of missed the mark overall. Um, and, it, and also, I think there were huge balance issues and bugs and stuff for the first, like, two-thirds of the set. And it sounds like it got really good for the most important thing, which is awesome. Um, and it's a big part of the reason why they're changing the design orientation of TNT. TFT, because it's hard when you ship a bunch of new content to get it all right. But anyway. All right. All, all, right. all shut nice. up now. No, no, I, li I like it, man. I like it. And I think you, what you had to say has a lot of merit. Um, I'm going to go with an agree only because I believe it's really about how you finish. Um, and I think the TFT team really, even with a, 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 a 0.5 that had lack of resources, right? Set 8.5, they needed more dog to take over live, right? That's, that's how strapped they were in terms of team resources because pe so many people that were coming on board, right? You, all your Enicos and your Trucies and all these other people that got hired throughout, right? People came from the MMO back to work on TFT. Runeterra got resources diverted away towards TFT. That was all towards set nine and beyond. And Mordog had to like basically, you know the the the, the scene from Spider Man when uh, when Tobey Maguire had to like hold the trains and like he was like trying to and, and the train just kept going on and on. He was trying to pull keep them together. That's Mordog. He was just trying to make sure to keep the trains on the rails as best as he could. And I, I feel like where we landed was at a beautiful spot. Uh, I still believe it was the best regionals patch we've ever had going to a tournament. And it was the best worlds patch we've ever had, which I mean, it wasn't that different from regionals. Um, and I don't think it's a surprise that good players were rewarded because of it instead of a degenerate, like one trick, this, it's like, like Lu people were worried about Lulu Rebo, right? Going to the world championship, like is Lulu just gonna win and dominate or like, or, or doing all those different things? And it didn't. It was a very balanced and flexible and open meta. and. One of the best that we were, one of the best um, patches we ever had. So with that, I will say agree because of it. And I think people are gonna look back upon patches like this and just be like, man, I wish it was. I wish it was kind of like what we had at the end of eight point five because that was really really good. And chat. That's what you're saying is the peak. The, the peak. Is, the peak is higher, right? The peak is well above average. Which is how TFT players tend to evaluate things. By the way, they evaluate yep. things off of peak like a lot. Uh, and, and so I think it based off of that rubric. It clears for me and chat agrees as well 69 percent, nice also agree that it will go down as an above average set and that brings us to our last agree for today which is kind of one looking to the future and I just, it's just kind of a four fun one so don't feel like you have to be beholden to what you answer here but it is set nine rune terror forge is on track to be the best tft <laughs> set yet this is because everyone's hyping it up man the portals are really cool. A lot of people are having fun thinking about legend combinations. The units seem to be really interesting. Almost every four cost has like its place. 
following a couple of bounce them were overtuned but but in general people are loving it um a bunch of augment refreshes making the game feel really new so let's start off with uh the the other order this time let's start off with bryce yeah yeah i think the answer is yes to this question i mean obviously there's so much uh, you know it's uh, we're pick picking it at a really early moment in time the set hasn't even freaking launched yet and there could be infinite bugs or balance issues or things that would bother us i enjoy both legends and galaxies i'm calling them galaxies what are they called portals 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 i'm enjoying <laughs> i think portals is the better version of galaxies it feels a little fun and different and i like the like voting thing at the beginning but it doesn't feel like it's that transformative in general which i enjoy and then same thing with legends as of right now i i worry about legends i worry that there's going to be like one or two that are just clearly the best and everyone's going to force them and force strategies around that that part of it is terrifying to me and so i'm but i'm i'm happy at a non-optimized state or maybe they're slightly underpowered and i'm happy if they stay underpowered because quite frankly i will say that while i really enjoy that every set has a different mechanic to change the feel of a set from one to another and give it its core identity i personally enjoy my set mechanics lower impact i think a bunch of my core issues with dragons and hero is that they defined everything about what it meant to play that set in a way that i found deeply problematic i just want to play tft and i think that this set core design wise seems freaking awesome fun units flexibility in the ap and ad trees at two one two three and four cost fun legendaries i think there's a lot of interesting kind of chess piecing with the with the positioning that i'm starting to figure out so i really like the feel of the set it almost feels like set two like to me some in terms of like unit design and fluidity um and set two is still like my favorite set even though i know it almost killed tft so i just wanted to feel like that and as long as the hero stuff stays lower i think I'm a, i think i'm a yes on this all right. Equation. Okay, hot take, and I would love to be proved wrong, but I'm going to disagree. Uh, and the reason for that is, although I think set 9 has best, like, the best like, kind of like core mechanic, maybe of all time, I think it's like, legitimately like, impossible to balance like, with the number of things that they introduce. Like, on top of the normal like, unit and trait balance that they have to do, they have to balance like, regions, legends. They introduce like, 300 augments that they have to balance. Yep. And like, there's even so much stuff like shimmer items, radiant items, Zon mods, like all that stuff. Like, yeah, new ore like items, a like a bunch it, of them. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a big believer that a lot of that stuff is going to get neglected, and I think it's going to create like a really unbalanced game. But I would absolutely love to be proven wrong and play rates up. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Be replay. Yeah, I'm, I'm with Rachel on this. I, I think this set's going to suck for like a month or two at least. Like the the augment, the amount of augment changes. Like, there's just no way. Like, Riot would have to be so fucking smart to be able to balance this correctly. Like, there's just no way, like, there's no way this is going to be remotely balanced for two weeks, two months or so. And then, like, the other thing, I think, is, like, I feel like the augments, like, everyone has talked about how the, the units have gotten better, which I agree. But I think that the augments have taken a huge step back. Like, there's so many augments that are, like, you roll 10 times, you get 10 gold, you get 10 XP. Like, to me, those are so boring. Like, I just refuse to take them, even though a lot of times they're good. But, like, to me, like, they're just unbelievably boring to play. Um... Like I yeah I, I don't I don't think it's gonna be the best set yet um but I'm I'm down to be wrong I'm very down to be wrong. Gotcha. Okay, so the interesting thing from my perspective is what is the best set if you're if you're gonna look at like for example set six set six 
was a balanced disaster come on it was like when augments first came when we had binary binary airdrop at gold tier for like the entire set and it was just like obscenely op with scrap and everything like that there was a lot of really really broken things when, when, when prismatic gave you plus two of a trade of everything and you hit you know innovator soul and you're like oh my god i just have like the dragon uh there there were so many like so if that was like your favorite set that was super broken uh set four chosen oh my god the four one rolled out right set two which was actually quite balanced but not very fun bryce sorry to, to burst your bubble so there's it a was lot so of fun man what is your favorite set i could poke dozens i like how you skip set three Set three. <laughs> yeah, that's three good though. Yeah, like, save TFT. It's yeah, but save TFT though. Okay, fair, um, enough, fair enough. You're not, Dan's not wrong. I think I think Dan's point's like super fair, by the way. Yes. That if you're if your focus is on balance, there's almost never been a period in time where you could reasonably expect the start of a set to be balanced. But yes. they are there that was true before when they were biting off a lot less, and now they're biting off a lot more and trying to do it. But we've gotten better balance that. too. This is, this is my agree, Bryce. My counterpoint to oh, that sorry. is the the team has scaled up, right? We didn't have like Mordog said. Set eight was the last set that they had with their old existing structure, and set nine moving forward should theoretically get us to that point, right? So if if, if this is what's happening with Riot, they have the gold, they leveled up. It's all about whether or not they can execute on the roll down. So let's see it at Enigo in chat. No pressure, buddy, but all of our hopes and expectations for this being the best set. Okay, hey, we have to redo this. You. Man, that was fun. So it uh, looks like Chad agreed. I think a lot of people are really hopeful. I think partially it could just be the the relief that sets seven and eight are over. I think I think that's what drives most people to agree more than anything else. It's just that uh it's just not dragons and it's not hero augments. And on that note, let's go ahead and move on to the final portion of the show, which is the final rankings of the set now this rankings is different than our power rankings power rankings goes into who we think is most likely to do well it's predictive this is reflective this is to say based on everybody's performance we believe this is the player that's appropriately ranked here based off their performance so in a lot of ways this is the rankings that matter now that's not to say the rankings others that we do throughout the set don't matter but this one is we, we try to go as wide as we can we get a big diverse once again this ties the most amount of balance we've ever had and uh, it's really cool to see what we end up getting so without further ado let's start off with as always bryce the people that didn't make it the snub list so the people that uh got votes but didn't make it i'm really mad about one of these so we can start from the bottom. We have Stellar Minhi, Ramblin, and Asa all getting a, a vote tied at 22nd. Prestevin at 21st, getting five from Sasuka, by the way. Only one person voted for him. Kyvix at eight. And then you get a bunch of people who have scattered votes like Cottontail, Clear, Mismatch Socks, and Kindle Gem narrowly missing out on top 15. So Bryce, you said you were mad at one person or mad that one person didn't make it. Who is it? Yeah, Kindle Gem got robbed. He got full-blown robbed. If you look at the ballots, Dan and I rated him. He got seven points from me, six points from Dan, and then Darth gave him seven. And then, it took, like, over half the people did not vote for him. And I, I, if, I guess people were eye-testing it and saying, hey, I watched him play and he's not very good. Um, and I get that eye-test has to play a role. I certainly factor eye-test in. But like Dan said, this is about results and... He had them. I mean, okay, so he day one's Defender Cup. So he starts off the set disastrously. But then after that, 
it's nothing but strong performances, man. He does really, really well overall throughout the set. In particular, he has back-to-back -back outstanding performances at Mecha Cup and Regionals. And those are the, that's the end of the set. We tend to wait the end of the set stuff more than the beginning of the set. I just, you know, his, his, his stats are good too. It's not like this is someone who's like, is like the bad performances earlier in the set were bad, really bad data. He averages a four across the whole set, essentially with a 56% top four rate. That's pretty good. Maybe he didn't belong as high as Dan and I put him. I don't know, but he definitely belongs on this list. All right. Uh, that's, there's, there's, there's probably going to be people who fall one way or the other, but uh, Kindle Gem. Okay, let's actually ask the competitors then. Re-replay, did you rate Kindle Gem? Yeah, if I recall correctly, I, he should be on my top 15. I, I think he deserves to be on the top 15. I think it's hard to to go to LCQ and not be on your top 15. Um, so yeah, I think that's surprising to me. Okay, okay. And Weijin, did you? Uh, I did not, and I have justification, okay. which is that I valued consistency very highly in my rankings, considering that it's supposed to be a ranking for someone who did well the whole set. Like, <laughs> Spethum won a tournament, and I don't even think I put Spethum on my list because... Um, you did. Like, you have, you have oh, 15. Oh, I did. Oh, 15. Okay, 15. but I didn't put that on the down for you to make the, make the argument for clear. You put clear at 14th. Why Why was clear <laughs> more consistent this set than Kindle Gem? Or oh, why I was mean, he more deserving? I mean, clear only got week one once, right? But Kindle Gem got week one, like, twice. Twice, in the very beginning of the set, yeah. Fair enough. That makes sense. It's a simple rubric. I, 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 I can agree with that. Um, and then Clear, of course, had like some pretty low lows, right? We're talking about the 8888 to start off uh, regionals, which he, he almost kind of redeemed towards the very end. But um, I, I want to say yeah. that I also appreciate... Maybe I should play Kindle Gem. Look, look, the reality is Kindle Gem's a few points off. So even if you put him like, say, 14th or 15th, it wouldn't have swung it. But yeah, like that's how, that's how close it is, right? This is a, Kindle Gem was only a few points behind, but if you gave him one or two, which looks like it sounded like you would have, it wouldn't have made that difference. I will want to say one thing. One thing that catches my eye is that I'm glad that someone like Socks didn't make it. No claim to Socks, but he just wasn't there this set. And I feel like there were some... One thing that I was worried about going into this was people would just kind of vote for the usuals, right? Like, would Soju get any votes? Which he didn't. You know, would, would Socks somehow make top 10, which he's not rightfully there? And and either even players like Asa, right? Some people get votes. But uh, for the most part, it feels like there really is a changing of the guard this set. It feels like there's a there's a new batch of players that came and people you know it's, it's like the third wave of North America, Bryce. And I'm calling them Gen Eight. So we have like the OGs, whether you want to call them you know OGs for the original meaning or old guard. You have like that new wave of like Zoomers. So like you have like the the old the OGs, the Zoomers. That's like Spencer, Bert, um, New Bow, Goobums, all the young. Like yep. they started with their teachers, DQA. And now we have like Gen Eight people who rose mm -hmm. up during this time, and it feels really cool to see them kind of take. The list by storm but part of it was motivation from the the previous waves let's see if they can keep that up yes yeah, so i'm actually curious so milk said that he when we recorded our last episode we did this special episode um to announce the vegas thing and milk hypothesized that he thought that the summit had a really large impact on the rise of gen 8 do you guys agree with that disagree with that any thoughts there um me personally not not at all um i didn't really watch the summit yet I mean, that's okay. That's okay. Yeah, it's uh, fine. Wait, are you are you same boat? Oh, I I did watch like Summit, but I don't think Summit had a big uh is this, like a big reason that that it was so big. I think like TFT is just growing. Like I think they could release like an average set and it would just be like one of the most popular sets of all time. Like I think the game's just growing. I think people want a game like this. Wow. Yeah. Get this optimism off my screen. 
but yeah i, I actually agree and i think um i, I think it's a, it's a bunch of factors right i think people try to point out like one thing but it's like tft is growing you're right promotional events inspire players uh you know there's more streamers there there there's more events right there's more funding there's more dev resources uh we're understanding the game we're educating the audience a lot better it's just just things things in general are are, are looking up or ramping up and and remember just to set macro context this is not the case across the industry a lot of games are scaling back scaling down trying to put less money in things how can we save tft is like how can we spend without of course you know going too crazy um so it's really exciting times for sure and on that note, let's get into the final top 15. So the way this goes is we present who is in this spot. The first question we ask is, is this correct? One person will speak on it. Like, does this feel like a right, right place on them? And then just kind of like say one thing or two about what you think about the player. And it doesn't have to be, not everyone has to chime in, but for the most part, one person usually drives that conversation. So I will go first just to kind of set the order. And so at number 15, we have dpay coming in with his quote first competitive set which is not entirely true but for the most part i see where he's coming from this is the first set that dpay took very seriously and he comes in from a really interesting perspective of being a former esports coach at the overwatch league now trying to take his talents and specifically his critical thinking skills into tft and what an interesting set it was i think the first thing that caught my attention of course was dpay's performance in the box box boot camp making a really deep run on ladder. And so that already puts him into a situation, uh, into a spot where he's much more legitimate than it seems because the early parts of set is the hardest to climb as most people tend to agree. The second is when you're fighting for snapshots, which Deepay was consistently getting there. Uh, the problem was Deepay did not have results in tournaments. He was doing fine in, on ladder and then he did not have good results, except 8.5, something changed. And he was making a pretty good run at Mecha Cup and he made a fantastic run at regionals. I don't know if Dpay is more qualified than Kindle Gem personally, so I don't think this is entirely like confident I can say that's correct. But 15th slash 16th is the range that I would have put Dpay, so I'm okay with where he lands here. And I wonder if anybody else agrees. Let's go with Bryce. Do you think that's do you do, does what I say kind of make sense here? It makes perfect sense to me. I think one of the toughest parts of this list is how to value ladder relative to tournament results relative to eye test i think those are basically the three data points that go in i think some people value ladder really highly i value it pretty lowly to be honest with you but i see the argument for why it's infinite volume um and so in some ways it's like directionally very valuable all right sounds good re replay wage dungeon any comments on dp or shall we move on um yeah, uh, i feel like i oh no, yeah, i feel like i valued like like end of season like ability more than like ability like early season ability and i feel like at the end of the season dp was like quite clearly top 15. yep might have not been the case for the defender and corrupted cup looking at his results but like yeah um it just i guess it depends on what you value wait you said you wanted to chime in with something oh yeah like like personally i didn't really uh value ladder at all but i think for people who did value ladder it makes total sense that he's here like i think at 8.5 he was probably like a top two or three ladder player basically mm -hmm. he's like permanently in the top 10 rank one a lot of the time so I, I think it makes a lot of sense he's here okay makes sense the one thing i will say is dpay is the only player here that has a below 50 percent top four rate for the set so uh let's get those stats a little bit higher buddy but i'm pretty sure it's because he got hard uh hard eliminated at corrupted cup that's that's probably why it all went so badly <laughs> all right coming up next 
is number 14 we got garchomp pro who's quite possibly the biggest surprise on this list uh bryce do you can you can you speak a little bit about garchomp i'm the wrong person to ask man i put him on my list because when i looked at the results and i looked at his stats it was pretty clearly deserving um and yeah i mean i've i've, I've never watched this man play the most I know about him is that Iniko thinks really highly of him. Uh, I'll pull chat back up after I'm finished talking, and I'm sure Iniko <laughs> will be saying a lot of words about Garchomp Pro. And that's something. That means something, because I think Iniko does scout some of the kind of off-the-beaten-path players. He has a pretty big stable, though. you got to give him that. He's got a lot of different players that he has is the Iniko stamp of approval on, and he brags about the ones that work, and we never hear about the ones that don't again. <laughs> but yeah, Garchomp, Garchomp seems to be popping off. He's Look at those results. Look how consistent he is. Right, he's top fifty and everything. And Nico is one of those roulette players who has like a chip on every number. <laughs> he's like, yeah, I can't miss, except when it lands on double zero that one time. Uh, I Wage and Iverson re replay since Bryce doesn't have an opportunity to like study Garchomp's Pro because his, his his performance has really started picking up at mid set onwards. Did either of you get a chance to look at him closer? Um, not too much. I know he has a lot of YouTube videos out, and his YouTube content is actually quite good. He has one about, like, augments and whatnot. And in one of the Worlds games, he was talking about how level up is good when you have a high econ on 2-1. I took it solely because I watched that YouTube video. So shout out to his YouTube channel. Um, and then <laughs> I went 6th. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. That sounds good. Uh, Wajin, anything on, uh, on Garchomp? Are we good to go? Oh, yeah. I I've actually watched a decent amount of Garchomp Pro, like uh, like some of his games and also his YouTube videos. Uh, I thought pretty highly of him. Um, he's also super consistent this set, and uh, he's definitely played some lines that impressed me, so I think he's super deserving. I love that. I love that. Alright, so that's Garchomp. Congratulations. The thing that stood out to me was that he actually had a unique game plan going to a lot of his tournaments. Every single time he tried to go off the beaten path. For regional specifically, he was trying to go for like reroll a lot of three costs, and a lot of people thought recost, three costs were a little on the weaker side. He was willing to play like a lot of Vex, for example, when people weren't really touching that unit. Um, and so I, I feel like Garchomp is an interesting thinker. He wants to go outside the box, see if he can keep that momentum. Congratulations. I think he is the biggest surprise of the top 15 by a big margin. Let's go into number 13. We got Spethum. The thing that stands about Spethum to me, his stats are actually at an elite tier. The only thing mm -hmm. is we have like three tournaments of him. So we don't actually have that many sample size. He's the lowest sample size, but his stats are comparable to Dish Soap and Setsuka and some of the other elites out there. He is quite the enigma. He claims himself as a four-fun player, but he popped off with that first at Mecha Cup. Let's talk about some people who play against him. Wage and Iverson, what do you have to say about Spethum? Oh, I mean, I, I've, I think Spethum's like a super, super great player. I think he's also super innovative. Um, like the only reason I didn't put him any higher was just like not playing Defender Cup, not playing mid-set. It's kind of like, I mean, a big deal when you're talking about like the whole set, but I think he's like, yeah, one of the most talented players in NA. I think like if he actually like, studied and tried super hard i think he could like be like one of the best for sure and like very very scary so super happy yeah. to see him here replay do you agree with a lot of that yeah just echo the same stuff all right well i i look forward to seeing it and of course congratulations spethum he's found his first tournament win he's found new love and also he's a double up challenger player like come on this guy is just killing it on all fronts <laughs> Congratulations and hope to see you back in set nine. Also, just a good person. He's fun rate. He went he donated his winnings, for example, to a mental health fund. 
um and to try to help raise awareness and also get people that help that they really need because it's something that he in his own words he doesn't need that money he's like financially secure so why not give it towards good causes and you gotta really respect that for a person that um doesn't really have to so that's really cool yeah what a beast number 12 the old faithful we got from team liquid it is kura max which might be a little bit low for him but this set was probably some of the lowest kurum has ever performed and he still made it the list relative to his contemporaries right soju soulless milk these other people who are at, who are there with him at set one aren't even on the list so the fact that he's here is a nice thing but if you look at the stats you look at his results I Kerm would be the first person to tell you that he's not happy with it. Bruce. Yeah. Oh yeah, I think he's super disappointed in his results from this set. Um, and set started kind of weird for him because he he did win the summit with Solus, but if you look go back and actually look at the performance in that event, um, Solus carried. Now Kerm had COVID, so it's like kind of hard to. He was like an he was basically an average player with the event stat, you know, in terms of results points wise. But if you do that with COVID, that's pretty impressive. Um, but yeah, I mean. He, I, I did not put him on my list. I, you know, the, his term results overall were very medium at best. I think medium is like a pretty nice way of describing it overall. Uh, and his stats are quite bad. Actually, his stats, I would guess that if you put, I know you said there was only one person on the list with below top uh, top 50, top four rate, and Kerm is slightly over 50%, but he averaged a 4.85. He won 6% of his games and he lost 17% of his games. So Ouch. his first eighth ratio was really terrible. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I mean, look, I love Kerm as a human being. I, he's one of the players in the scene that I root the hardest for. And I and I love watching him play good at TFT. I don't think he played his best this set from what I saw instead. I did not watch any of his 8.5. He, he saw it showing a regional, so I didn't get to see any of that. I don't know how that went. Yeah, it started off really badly for him. He went dead last in Defender Cup. It was one of the worst performances. It was actually the saddest I've ever seen Kerm because I think he was just embarrassed. In his own words, he didn't even take it that seriously because he had one summit. He was like, he was hitting rank one in NA and he felt he got complacent. That kicked his tires. It tried really hard. And then the results still, like they were improving for sure, right? Look, ninth in Corrupted Cup, pretty solid. That's Top good. 12 yeah. regionals, that's still pretty solid. But Kerm is a former world participant, winner of regionals. Yeah. His standards are way higher than just okay. 12th might be the lowest we see Kerm moving forward, and I really hope that's true. Uh, Re-replay, Weijin, anything on Kerm? Because uh, we can also move on to number 11 here. All right, sounds good. Let's go to number 11. We have another first-timer on the final rankings at 1-1. We got Mr. Bozo Skills. Also came in with uh, a lot of expectations on his improvement arc. I think the most impressive thing about Basso skills is the fact that his win rate is pretty absurdly high. He's got 20% win rate, and he also performed well even outside of the circuit. He got third at mid-set, but he got third at Tactician's Crown as well for the land, so he was able to perform well in uh, IRL. Um, and so Basso skills, this is a really big breakout set for him, and it was a pleasure to, uh, to watch him kind of send send and like go well but the thing about boss skills is that you look at corrupted cup and mecha cup and it's like man if this guy is not like contending for final lobby he is like not doing well at all in the tournament so i want to go to wage and give me some commentary about uh boss skills here yeah i mean i guess like uh maybe like even his own words because like uh, i'm friends with him i talked to him like i think he just said like those two tournaments he didn't really care much and he didn't really try much um and, like, I think he even had, like, he could have, like, had, like, the buy, but he just, like, ran it down on ladder, like, almost for fun in, like, one of them. Um, so, yeah. 
But I mean, like definitely his highs were very, very high, like ninth, third, twelfth, all really great performances. But it's it's kind of hard to rank someone higher when they got like day one twice. Yeah. Do you know why he phoned in corrupted? I know why he did Mecca because he was already qualified to regionals. But uh, I don't know. I think he was just like not enjoying the game at the sure. time. Like I, I think he was just kind of like tilted of uh, like maybe the meta and hero augments. And like he yeah. he also felt like he had a very good chance to make mid set anyways because of his good defender cup performance and then he actually almost didn't make it which is like yeah 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 um interesting I, i'm a little bit surprised by the data on him actually because whenever i watch him play he feels like the most top four oriented player of the of the gen 8 crew and actually one of the more top four oriented players in general that i watch in terms of the kind of safety and consistency of his play it's almost like robin or kerm x in terms of the the way he approaches it is that do you think my beat on that is incorrect are you surprised to see him have such a high win rate no i i think that's i think that's very correct i'm also kind of surprised to see like high win rate and like compared to like the top four rate uh because he's definitely a player that like levels and rolls pretty aggressively and like tries to preserve hp so i I definitely agree with your read yeah all right and on that note let's move on congratulations boss skills fantastic set another person who had a a really big surge Mm -hmm. late was Robovan Kenobi, who again started off kind of rocky, similar. He kind of had his own version of Kuramex, which is like his worst mm-hmm. performance. And then all of a sudden, kind of making a pretty deep series of runs. Cryptic Cup had a pretty solid showing. And then, of course, uh, at the North American LCQ. So to qualify for regionals, he got second and he got fifth at regionals and then came just a point or two short at Western LCQ to potentially make it to the world championship. Um, and also, th- I really like hearing his approach to just TFT. He doesn't believe very much in study groups. He doesn't believe in like listening to the echo chamber. He flamed the other study groups of just saying like he- they make him worse and they make each other worse, and he doesn't want to join <laughs> one. I gotta, you gotta love that fierce independent spirit, Bryce. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, th- I never watched Robovan play. I my strongest opinions on him. I mean, I see him in a lot of my games. I think we like played you know decent amount, whatever. But I don't really like draw that much from that. And then uh, my strongest opinion about him is that I don't know why it's pronounced Robovan Kenobi. I think it should be Robovan Kenobi, like Obi Wan Kenobi. It's just like the it just sounds great. Um, his dad is pretty good, and he popped off at the end of the set. I totally get why he's here. Yep. Uh, re-replay any comments on Roby from a player's perspective yeah like i feel like like post regionals i didn't think he was that good like i think he like didn't wasn't really good at like scouting like positioning a lot like the smaller stuff in tft but, like when i saw him playing western lcq i thought he was actually like a lot better um as a player like in western lcq so i'm kind of interested to see how good he'll be in set nine after lcq ended he said I will like he's like no matter what I am making it to set nine worlds and I'm going to be streaming a lot and I'm going to get my that is my goal Love it. He talked about how his family he, he like when he was nervous he had his family come pumping up his family talked about how he believed they, they believed in him that gave him motivation I mean this guy is on an anime arc so to speak like let's see if he can really continue that momentum because I think he's a really exciting and interesting player that just goes off the beaten path mm-hmm. so and Love by the way, that. you said the most surprising on the list is Garchomp, and I agree with that, but I think Robovan, if coming into this set, if we had done a top 50, I'm not sure he's there, and this is awesome for him to make 10th on the end of set list is a big deal. Congrats. Fair enough. Fair enough. Let's go to number nine. We're now in the single digits. We got young Daniel, DQA, joining us, who is just on the outside. Like, the way I like to look at it is if the top eight is, like, the people you expect to make it to the final lobby on average, DQA is just right outside, which is almost... 
uh just appropriate he's on the outside of just like everything he got like six at corrupted cup he got six at missed it just nearly missing out the regions qualification he got 11th at regional just nearly missing out that final lobby uh but dqa again remember he's still doing this part-time which is really scary bryce you said that you wanted to say something about dqa in particular i have a, I have a lot of thoughts about dqa i think that he if you have a if you ask people about the best players in north america and they start talking almost none of them are going to mission dqa and i think overall it's a mistake i think that he i talked earlier about setsuko and his skill ceiling and how high i thought it was dqa is another crazy high skill ceiling player that people misevaluate because he's almost always poured a fraction of his attention into tft and he, the fact that he's here, if, if we have like the, like efficiency stats for this, then he would have the high, he would be number one in efficiency stats because this guy's like he basically doesn't pay attention to TFT. He's playing as much Valorant as he is TFT, and that's not very much. He's focused on other things, and so I think that we got you know twenty percent of DQA this set, and he still was ranked ninth in all of NA based on his performance across the set. I think that's crazy impressive. Uh, he has said that he is investing in set nine for the first time, that he's going to really try. Oh. And and I really, really hope he does, because I mentioned on the podcast before, but it's always the thing I go back to with DQA, which is that I thought when he made Worlds, he wasn't that good, to be totally honest with you. I thought it was basically exactly what we're talking about. He put 20% of himself into it. He was really only great at one line KO, and he didn't really know the other stuff. But he got he hit his line pretty hard, and he's really good when he's playing in a thing that's comfort zone for him and he made worlds but he worked his ass off between regionals and worlds and i thought he was our best player at worlds he was incredibly proficient at all of the core lines as well as some of the niche lines at the time and his play is fat his play is unbelievably fast he's one of the true zoomers in terms of his speed and capability to roll and transition a turn and he when he actually like does his studying it can get scary so let's see I, I I look forward to see how DQA performance over the course of set nine if he invests. Re replay. What do you, what, what do you, when Bryce says like this guy is the ceiling to be the best in NA, he's, and you are currently the best in NA. What what is what what comes up for you? Do you agree with him? Um, I mean, I honestly haven't watched much DQA at all, so like I like maybe maybe I have no idea. Yeah, good chat. Um, this replay guy doesn't even care. <laughs> Weijin, get any thoughts on DQA? Okay, I kind of like the way I think of DQA is I was like a very DGen player, and maybe that's just like my latter experience. But I feel like he's always like trying to like hard force whatever like the most broken line is. So like, yep. that's just how I think of him. I don't know if that's like correct or not, or like like how if he plays. It's how he's played ninety five percent of his games in TFT. So you're not wrong. It's completely correct. Oh, okay. Impression. Well, yeah, that's just what I think of him, and like I don't know if that leads to a high skill ceiling. Like I feel like in like a set that's like truly balanced, like that would be a bad way to play. But are we actually going to have a set that's truly balanced? Probably not, so. Yeah, for, for what it's worth, my argument is more that I think that the 5% of games that he played differently were the 5% where he actually invested and tried. And so if he does invest and try, he won't be a one trick because he's capable of doing more. He's just never invested, so it's easier for him with the limited time to be like, oh, this is the most broken thing. I'll just like force that and do it better. All right, good luck, DQA. Now we move to the top eight. And this is only appropriate because we got the top eight master himself, Mr. Robin Songs, joins us for what is effectively the average ranked final lobby. But eighth is a little bit low for Robin. I think that it makes sense because he started off really nice, a third Defender Cup. And he did get a final lobby in Mecha Cup, but he also posted some of the worst stats that Robin's had in quite some time, mm -hmm. if you look at it. 
it was almost like a textbook worst version of robin right he would nearly get top four but he wouldn't win lobbies um and robin in general also had some tournaments he was underprepared for right the corrupted cup for example he was traveling not prepared for it um but at the same time it was also peak confidence robin there were moments where it felt like he was legitimately in that conversation of top three top four players in north america um and so we'll see man i feel like I feel like people are the most divided on Robin that they've ever been, Bryce. Yeah, um, we'll see. I didn't. Uh, his ladder play was phenomenal throughout the set, right? I like paid less attention. Eight point five, but was he, he a really good ladder player? He won the Boxbox Bootcamp, right? And that also surprised a bunch of people because right. he beat Dish Soap. Well, he was really good throughout set eight. Was he also really good ladder wise in eight point five? Well, when you yeah. wanted to be, for the most part. Sure. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, look, I I thought I thought the play that I watched from him in the first half of the set was pretty average for him. I don't think it was his best play. I think he had been climbing a little bit, and it felt like he like leveled off. And I think that overall, the region got a lot harder. To be totally honest, I think that uh, there's a lot of players who invested. The it, it used to be we would go into these tournaments, we'd kind of know you'd have your basically your core names, and every once in a while you'd do some disruption, but. Um, most of the time the disruption was random this year it wasn't random right like you you know replay juku Basso, malala Weijin, like the 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 gen 8 crew as you're dubbing them was just consistently really fucking good throughout the entirety of the set for the most part replay play, it sounds like kind Uh, I, I think it really depends what tournament uh, that you're talking about, because I think a lot of people think of Robin as someone who's, like, consistently good throughout the tournaments, but I think he was, like, I think he was really good in all the tournaments leading up to regionals, but I actually think that he was not particularly good in regionals. And, like, even before regionals, like, I, I kind of had a feeling that he was not going to do very well, um, just because I felt like he was, like, kind of playing the wrong lines, and, and he looked, like, pretty lost to me when I was watching him. Yeah, but I thought he was excellent, like, in all of the other tournaments, so... Uh, probably depends which tournament you're talking about. Yeah, I is, think that's is fair. Corrupted the one he phoned? Did he phone in Corrupted? Remind yeah, me, he did he, practice, is that the he one where he, like, he didn't practice at all? He was traveling. Okay, we, draft, right. we, we drafted him so high, and he didn't practice, and he went 49. So. Yeah, yeah, at all. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, replay any comments on Robin at all? Yeah, I'm going to add. I think he's a very consistent player. He just wasn't able to reach the highs of the set. All right. All right. Let's go to number seven, who did reach a new high, and perhaps... Uh, an, another player that's going under the radar. It is Malala coming here with a 4.1, 63% top four rate and a 9% win rate. This guy is like good version of Robin, so to speak, right? Always seeming to top four, but this guy doesn't really win lobbies very often. Um, and also one thing that has been kind of a moniker of Malala is that, or something that's attributed to him is that he's kind of a choker. Um, and it feels like once again, going to regionals, it felt like things were going his way, getting on average placement, contesting Satsuko to qualify for the world championship. And then the day just did not go his way. Weijin, I percent you're in, you're, you know, you're in Goose with Malali. You talk to him fairly often. Talk to me about this guy. Oh, uh, okay. I don't think I've ever said to his face before, but like, um, yeah, I'm pretty sure he actually choked in the final lobby of, uh, regionals, but, uh, oh. I think he was like super excellent throughout <laughs> the set. I think he's like one of the players where it's like, um, like, how, how, how he is on ladder is, like, not actually reflective of how good he is into the tournament. I think he, like, uh, plays way better in tournament. He's, like, way more focused and, like, he's, like, actually trying. Like, usually when he's playing ladder, he's just, like, playing a call and, like, messing around and stuff. Um, so, yeah, I think, like, like you can't really look at his LP to judge how good of a player he is. I think he's, like, super deserving of the spot. But, yeah, that uh, unlucky final lobby. 
replay talk to me you played against Malala a lot in final lobbies talk to me about Malala yeah I, I kind of echo the same thing I it, he does seem like a choker like I feel like stress is like a big thing in the game especially when you're in a final lobby like pressure gets I think to literally everyone and yeah maybe some more than others Bryce three out of four experts agree this guy needs a glass of water are we going four out of four I mean, look, I, I don't think we need to belabor the point. I think it's pretty clear from some of the results. But I will say that I felt like from watching Malala play this set that I thought he made the leap. I thought that mm -hmm. in previous sets, he's had moments. He's had some high highs, but he never really showed that he could do that with any level of consistency, even within one tournament. And I think watching him, it felt like he was just a cleaner player of the set to me when I did watch him. So having issues with the pressure at the end of a tournament, he's still putting himself in those positions. That's really hard. His results are really good. He is deserving of this spot right and he can that's something that can be worked on right like setsuko needed to work on this um it wasn't a final date for him it was just a total tournament thing and i think there are a lot of players that do so hopefully he's motivated to keep after it, it is something that a hump that he can get over and if he does he look out these are good stats these are good results we'll see we'll see and it's cool because i think malala is basically the top end of these tournament only performers right like he's not again particularly super strong on ladder but He's a fantastic tournament player, and I look forward to seeing his growth next set. Love you, buddy. And also, official, Malala greater than Soju. It's actually official. <laughs> now that I'm like looking at it, because Soju claimed like third, I think, at the end of final set seven, because he made the world championship. There you go, buddy. We always knew it was coming. Let's go to number six. We got Ripple Overdrive, who had a very consistent um, set, actually. Just like never really performing poorly. Has some pretty good highs with second at Mecha Cup and even making that final lobby of regionals. But kind of similar, just feel like he ran a little bit out of gas. And I think six here is a very good result. I think it's better than a lot of people expected, maybe even him. But um, I also feel like he could have gone higher. We heard from Weijin talking about Ripple and how he valued him. Replay, did you value Ripple Overdrive really highly also going to some of these past few tournaments? Yeah, I mean, I started with Ripple like going into regionals. I think Ripple is actually a beast. I feel like when I... Like whenever we like discuss like tax and different things, like you would see like two games later, Ripple plays a game and like we talked about like four different things that you could do. Puts like the four best things into the game and like comes out with like the best best like line. So like, I feel like Ripple is like very good at absorbing like any information he, he gets. Yeah. And from your perspective, either replay or or Weijin, what what do you think happened on the final lobby? Was it variance or did something else happen? Oh, I, I think in his own words, there was a lot of like 2-1 hero in the final lobby, and he just said that he wasn't particularly prepared for that. Okay. Well, set now, 8 what? is in the books. Hero augments no longer <laughs> here. Let's see what Ripple can do, and if it's going to be uh, a, a set that could potentially cater to the strength of his consistency, uh, especially with things like Legends and whatnot, let's see what Ripple can do moving Under forward. Undervalued in fantasy all year. It's the only thing I have to say about Ripple. He was right, really, right. he was way too cheap in fantasy drafts for how consistently good he was. Probably not for much longer. We'll see. Go I'm looking forward to our first draft, guys. A lot's changed, especially with the oh, new, it's going to be very, back. it's going to be a really new? interesting set draft-wise for sure. Okay. Let's go to number five. Another newcomer. Just so many newcomers onto the final rankings, but you'll, it mm -hmm. makes sense when we go, start to get here. We got number five, Juke Yu who had, you know, kind of, kind of a really impressive start to the set with a ninth at Defender Cup. And then don't forget, I believe it was mid-set finale that Juku shouldn't actually have gotten 17th. He actually had to forfeit because he was mm -hmm. on a cruise with his girlfriend and he couldn't download the Windows update. 
So who knows how far you would have gone, which is, by the way, again, I'll say for the third time on the show, that's a great flex and an excellent reason to not make it to a TFT yeah. tournament. <laughs> and then he wins North America Regionals, and he also was fairly competitive in the North in the, in the Monster Tech Championship. Yes, he got 26, but there was a period of time where Juki was also kind of making a good run in the standings. And as you know, if you're not like like 9th to 20th is really like kind of no diff in a lot of ways because the way you play for it. Let's talk to uh, Re-Replay or, or, or Rajin. You guys practice with Juku. What's the what do you think defined Juku's strength? Let's start with replay. I, I think his spreadsheet kind of defines his strength, where like he has a spreadsheet of all the comps that he's willing to play, all like the different like like things, important things to think about those comps. Like I feel like that kind of just shows like his playstyle, where like he's very organized and like he's able to pick out the right lines from like a deficit spot. Yes, yes, it's very very impressive. Um, I mean, it's stuff that like Dishdub does as well, so. Those are that's good company to be in for people who are super prepared going into tournaments. Uh, Juku definitely came into it as well. I, uh, Wage and Iverson, any any comments from the practice sessions or the VOD reviews that you had with Juku? Oh yeah, for sure. Like uh, Juku's uh, scores, if you looked, it, like it's pretty consistent throughout the tournament. But I actually think like he's one of the most improved players of the set. Like I would probably put him in re replay as like my two most improved players. Like. Um, I actually did VOD review Juku. I think it was after Defender or Corrupted Cup. And, like, uh, I saw him making some pretty big mistakes, but, like, when I compare it to, like, uh, what I see of him at, like, um, like regionals and, like, uh, even, like, scrims and stuff, like, leading up to the championship, I feel like he uh, improved so much as a player. And, like, uh, yeah, like, re really good player yeah. right now. Also worth noting that he is the highest placing person that isn't full-time TFT. He has a, has, he has a job. He's kind mm -hmm. of like multitasking. Um, people on this list also may have quit their job recently and then also focused on TFT, but uh, uh, we'll, we'll get to them eventually. But for the most part, it's really impressive. Wait, you're, you're not full-time TFT? No. Nope. Oh, I had no idea. For whatever reason, I thought you were. Okay, well, all, all good. Well, okay, hold on. We don't even know if you make this list, buddy. Relax. Yeah, 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 oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Your yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's move on to number four. I wonder who it is. It's not hmm. Wade Iverson. It is Dissop. Dissop coming in with the best stat line in the in the set right now in terms of you just look at his uh, win rate and his top four rate. Just unbelievable consistency. And unfortunately, he didn't get to that world spot. But I mean, if you look at how he did at Summit, how he did on Ladder, he did in Boot Camp, how he did in Tournament Cups. This guy's an absolute monster. And just a year ago, he was making it the list at 15. Remember, at final rankings at end of set six, we didn't have a profile picture of Dish Soap. We didn't know much about him. He was happy he made the list. You go back to his tweet of May 2022. He was like, wow, from Random Challenger to top 15. I'm really excited about this. Now fourth feels like, wow, this is kind of low for him. It feels like he should be even higher. And that just goes to show you how much respect that this guy has earned, Bryce, over the past year. Yeah, so much infinite fucking respect. I think the Summit, we all knew he had the potential. You watched him play and it was clean is how I would really, I think it's the hallmark of his play. And he, but when you, when you kind of got inside his brain, you watched the way he was approaching the start of, of the set for the Summit and how fucking good he was that early and he's so thorough man he's fucking good yeah i i had him, I had him third on my list i think he does belong a little bit higher i think that he 
you know, his stats this this entire set are bananas, and I think the reality of the situation is that there is a meaningful amount of variance in TFT. And if you ask me if I to rank them just raw skill end of the set, I would I would put Dish Soap at one or two on this list. Um, and yeah, I just uh, you know I'm excited for him to get keep after it next set and the set after that because he's he is just insanely good. Um, yeah. All right. Well, re replay. Give me some comments about Dish Soap here at number four. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where Tiffy has a variance game. Like, I think like over all the tournaments, like you just look at the stats and like he's I think he's easily a top three player, like in NA. And it just happens like on the the important tournaments, he wasn't able to to high roll a little bit harder. But I think skill wise, he's definitely easily top three. It's it's bananas that his worst performance in quotation marks is regional by like a placement. But you also look at it, it's like wow, this guy didn't have a bad tournament, not even close. He actually had good tournaments all set long and even the ones that weren't official Weijin, uh dish soap i mean we've already talked about it much is there anything else you want to add here uh yeah sure like i mean just kind of similar to what we were replacing like i mean he might be fourth because like he didn't go to worlds and like uh he never like won a tournament but i think that he is like the number one player Woo. wow just straight up calling him number one he's probably <laughs> the widest right definitely yeah. And he's so, so well researched and knows it feels like he's so good at spot recognition considering the volume of outs he's able to play. Yeah. And I mean, it just goes to show you how good he is at converting, too, right? A lot of people know what to do, but just so, I mean, this, this guy is posting 20% more win rate than some of his other people making this list. Some people are like yep. 8 to 9%. This guy's posting 28%. That is an yeah. enormous difference that you can't With, ignore. Without going eight significantly more often, right? He's only right, going right. eight seven percent of the mm. time. So he's leaning into his first and he's minimizing damage on his bad situations. All right. Well, only time will tell. And I think time absolutely will tell a really great story if Dishop wins all said and done. Let's move into the top three. One person is not allowed to really talk about it unless they really want to. It's Wajin Iverson coming in at bronze at third place with a top eight at Defender Cup, a win in mid-set, and also making a pretty good run in the championship as well. Wajin Iverson was really competitive to the last couple of games where it felt like it was like it was like Soju, right? People look at Soju like, oh well, you know, Soju didn't like make final lobbies, but he was also really competitive up until like you know games eleven and twelve. Um, so let's start off with re replay. Talk to me about Wajin. Com com compliment the guys into your right. I actually think I, I learned a lot from Bobby with Wajin. Like I feel like the way Wajin plays is like very different from the way I play. Where like, I don't know how to explain it, but like when he like he rolls as if he's gonna hit. So like he rolls really aggressively. <laughs> like he's he's really willing to like to press the D key. And like I feel like I'm the exact opposite player. Where like I'm I'm afraid of pressing the D key and missing. But like Wajin is, is fearless when he plays. Mm -hmm. so, like I, I, I feel that. like that's like a huge strength. Yeah. That, that that was that's really eloquent. Like he is fearless. Uh, Bryce, talk to me about Wajin here. Uh, I'll just say the same. I, I sent him a message when he busted out of Worlds because I was I was bummed for him that I I said I watched I watch a lot of up and coming players. I'm like really sad. This set that I missed, by the way, is really sad because I haven't really watched UQ. I haven't really watched re replay, and I can't. I'm so pumped for the first tournament to like study your vods. Um, but Wazen was the most com complete and impressive of the like up and coming players that I had seen in a long time. Like I thought Rain was very good, but had some weaknesses. I thought Asa was very good, but had some weaknesses. I think Wazen felt like a similar analog to me in terms of where he was at in his journey. And I felt like he was the most consistent player and the best, most well-rounded player of that war group. 
he first came on my radar because of Setsuko. Setsuko's rankings are always really interesting. Actually, I do the ballots. I get them all. Most of the time, I'm just copying and pasting people's ballots in. But Setsuko's, I always like want to read it because I'm curious who he's gonna put high because he pays. He only does it based on his own games. Um, and he saw something in Weijin. I think he was completely correct. So yeah, you'll you'll be back for sure. Weijin. Okay, now you can talk. It, it only makes sense. Weijin Iverson, Allen Iverson, number three. You're three. You got rank three here. <laughs> Talk to me about your set in hindsight and uh, what one thing you want to improve going into set nine. Oh, um, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of weird to talk about myself. Like, I guess one thing that I'll say is I feel like uh, like a big strength that I have over like a lot of other top players is I feel like I'm just really, really good at recognizing my own mistakes. Like even like right after I make them, I feel like I recognize my mistakes like so often and like I can water review my own games and find like tons of mistakes. So I feel like that just allows me to improve really fast. So yeah, definitely look out for me in set nine because I feel like I'm only improving. All right, man. Wait, I, I love one, that. One quick question. Out of curiosity, do you think winning mid-set ultimately hurt you in the end? Do you think you were worse in 8.5 because you didn't have the motivation to really get prepped up for the tournaments? Or is that not oh, a thing? Uh, absolutely not. I think like okay. regionals and uh, and like um, worlds were like, like they're the two tournaments I did worse than, but like I did the most prep for them out of yep. any two tournaments. So cool. Definitely not a motivation issue, I think. All right. I love hearing that, man. And I think set nine is going to be so exciting to see if you, uh, how you continue this momentum. Number two, which shouldn't be that big of a surprise given what's coming up, is Setsuko. And Setsuko posting very impressive stats across the board. And the only player <laughs> to have this level of consistency in results, his worst result all set long was a 10th place, which is just absurd and bananas. And if you look at it, Satsuko, there's just no way that this guy was going to be lower than second. If anything, Satsuko actually had one person vote him as rank one. Natures gave Satsuko rank one and broke the unanimous vote across the board for whoever got rank one. Can't really figure out who that is right now. Talk to me about Setsuko. Let's start with Weijin Iverson. What makes this guy so special? Oh, I mean, he is just, like, so good. Like, like I feel like... And he's also, like, the most practiced out of anyone. Like, he, he just plays more than anyone. Mm -hmm. And, like, um, I feel like he's actually just so good at, like... Like, he bullies people in ladder. He bullies people in tournament. Like, uh, he's just so, so, such a good early game. Definitely the best early game player, in my opinion. Um, yeah. And it's just, like, yeah, when, when you just play the early game that well, like, you're just always in a good spot. Also, like, super good at converting his spots. Like, I, I feel like he just doesn't really have, like, any weaknesses other than, like, maybe he doesn't, like, study enough. Yeah, it feels like his mental also has improved a lot more. People are always <laughs> surprised, like, wow, Sasuko is actually, like, analyzing his VODs, like, seriously. <laughs> like, uh, and not actually just, like, you know, yelling and screaming to Disney music in the background. Um, there's multiple sides to this guy. Uh, replay, you, you VOD reviewed even with Sasuko? He was, he was joining the group, which is cool, because I wasn't expecting the people in VOD reviews. Like, like, so basically what happened was Juki was like, who wants to VOD review? Anybody want a VOD review? He was, like, so enthusiastic. And I was expecting, like, maybe a couple people to meet up, but Sasuko was also joining in and be like, yeah, absolutely, I want to kind of participate in it. And then Replay, you were part of that. What, what, were, what were some of those calls going like? Yeah, like, like I don't know. Like, Tetsuko, like, on one of these interviews, is, like, kind of a different beast. Like, he's, he's like, he, he's the same person, but at the same time, he's, like, helpful. And, like, he actually <laughs> has, like, insights and whatnot. Like, he, he's actually, like, a, like, yeah, like, he's different from, like, his stream personality a little bit, but not really. 
Um, but yeah, like I do think Setsuko is like like his early game. Like he's played so many games. Like his understanding of every single unit is like like miles above most other players. So like his early game and whatnot is is actually insane, and he's able to convert it against like solo two clubs. I think the only weakness like going into like worlds and like even like regionals is like like I felt like he wasn't the best like like Jin and Infantine player, which were like the best mm -hmm. two comps in the patch. So like yeah, like I, I think he's the best player. Like maybe he didn't he wasn't, he wasn't the best player on the patch. Interesting. All right. Well, everyone knows and talks about the scene of Suko. It's almost a matter of time, it feels like, before he wins regionals, he wins a championship. Uh, and we'll be all there to celebrate with him. Um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Because the one thing I will say is that this feels like the set Setsuko has cared the least about ladder. But perhaps that is the key to why he's performing mm -hmm. so well. At the same time, he can, like, let loose of his obsession in the past of having to get rank one and hold it all the time. Maybe the turning of a page. Second is not first, though. Wait, wait. Really fast on Setsuko. Oh, I just want to say ahead. that, like... I just don't want to leave nature's fully on an island. I voted for replay. Obviously, we've you know said that number that there was only one person who didn't. But I agonized over the decision because his, Setsuko's data this set is fucking absurd. It's wrong on the screen, by the way. You have him at a three point six average. He's not a three point six average. He's a three point four average across all of the tournaments this set. He averaged a three point four three. So he so the second best is Dish Soap, and he's a full point two ahead of him. And Dish Soap is. 0.15 ahead of replay who is barely ahead of Weijin. so if you look at this from a data perspective setsuko is bananas assuming the data is right replay you're looking I, like I the data think, might be I wrong think, i don't think the data is right i don't think it includes regionals or worlds uh it definitely includes regionals i don't know if it includes worlds um I, yeah i don't know if it includes worlds the thing about including worlds that's tough is it's uh is, only. it's it's yeah. only it's it, not against an a only it's only four you only four players getting that opportunity um so uh but yeah anyway fair enough i just think i mean i didn't watch second half of the set i didn't I, replays analysis of setsuko makes a ton of sense in terms of regionals i could totally see that being a thing i just didn't watch it so i don't know but the first half of the set he was the best player his data suggests that he was by far the best player um so i think there's at least an argument yeah oh, I, I couldn't vote. ultimately i couldn't vote against someone who won worlds and was also a monster the whole set if replay hadn't been as good as he was throughout the set from a data perspective i couldn't i don't think i could have put anyone ahead of Setsuko because he was just so fucking good this whole set. And on that note, the big surprise, the huge reveal. Who is number one? Oh, it's re-replay. All right, well, we had re-replay talk about Weijin Iverson when it was his turn. Now, let's flip the script. Weijin Iverson, talk to me about re-replay and how his set went. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, I, I mentioned this a little bit before from GQ, but I think Replay is, like, the most improved player of the set, for sure. Like, I mean, he went from, like, not playing the game to becoming the best, so, I mean, that's quite an improvement. <laughs> and, like, uh, yeah. <laughs> and, like, um, yeah, I mean, I'll just talk uh, mostly about Worlds, because, obviously, that is going to be the, like, his best performance. Uh, like, I think, um... The two best lines at Worlds were probably Jin and Infinity Team, as Free Replay himself said. And I think he's the number one Jin player and the number one Infinity Team player. So I think it just makes like for like I don't know like if you're the best at the two best comps, like I feel like it's just like so so easy. And like I think he's super deserving of the Worlds win. Yeah. Ah, oh, that's nice. Uh, I'll go next. Um, I want to formally apologize to Gangly for not believing him that's immediately. Scary. I do feel like we. People look at 
myself and Bryce and think like, wow, you two are like the two NA analysts. You guys really know your stuff. It's great. You know, why isn't Bryce casting worlds? And all, there's, there's just validity to that. Um, but I also feel like there's a lot of other people who also recognize talent really well too. And I got to give a shout out to Gangly and also of course, shout out to Re-Replay because it's not like Gangly taught Re-Replay how to play these lines. Uh, really cool to see you come up, man. <laughs> yeah. um, and, and I want to, I also want to say that, uh, I love the confidence that you bring about yourself. Uh, you're very North America on brand. You're, you're really good at the game. Uh, you're really analytical about things. You're confident. You don't use webcam. I mean, come on, you're North American through and through. So it's, uh, it's fantastic to see you succeed, man. And I really hope that you don't lose motivation. I know you said you're going to give us a good year because, uh, that's the year of your non-compete for work. Um, but I hope you stay for a long time. Oh, I nice. I didn't realize the context. What a great use of a non-compete year. Um, <laughs> look, I, I, I'm going to get mostly get out of the way and let you have a victory speech that is unbelievably well-deserved. I'll just say that I study TFT for fun because I'm a nerd and it's like I am so excited to watch you play. I haven't been this excited to watch someone play ever because I feel like you just quietly became one of the best players in the world overnight and that's fucking crazy so kudos to you man take your victory lap it is thoroughly deserved yes victory speech we replay you are rank one to finish the set what do you have to say like, i don't really have much of a victory speech prepared i think it was more so like like being a set i was definitely not a good player and like i think every single tourney like i was way way better and, like by the time i got to like the regional finals like, i kind of considered myself like the best player just because I was the best on like the, the most important lines, but, like I, I do think like players like Dish and Setsuka were like like maybe better TFT players, but like I was definitely the best player on the patch, where like I was the best at the most important lines to play. Um, yeah, so hopefully that continues to set nine. All right, all right, and uh, re replay streaming now. Check him out at re replay yep. TFT, and uh, I you know this was a great top fifteen, but again just to review. There's a lot of people that uh, are going to come for this list, right? We're talking about Milk making that comeback. Is Soju as motivated? He Soju messaged me after um, the, the documentary that mm -hmm. we aired about him saying he's really invigorated. There's rumors that some people will be coming back. I heard, you know, I saw Birdosaurus on PBE. Will Newbow uh, make an appearance? Where does Goobums come back? I even saw Goose playing some PBE. You didn't, even talk about, you didn't even talk about DQA. Oh yeah, DQA, right? I mean, he's Again. on this list, Bryce. Come on, I was talking about people who yeah. aren't here on this top yeah, 15. Yeah, fair, 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 fair. Pocky Goms making a return. Pocky, yes, Pocky really? coming back. That's so news to good. Me. Yeah, he was yeah. In, he was in in houses today, and he was just doing Pocky things, man. It was like he was there was a, oh it was everything God. everything lobby was super standard, and he was like six Ionia with an Ionia spat on Callista for Challenger, and he was I don't even know what the fuck the four was, <laughs> man, but it, it was it was Pocky doing his thing. Oh man, well that's really exciting uh, because we talk about how North America, the biggest thing we worked on was depth. I really love the theory that uh, I think Darktube was saying is that maybe just like some players like Sazuko being so good is helping everyone else get better. Yep. And I think that has continued to snowball. I think the depth of North America will be really big, which makes fantasy drafts really interesting for next set, which brings us to our fantasy draft scoreboard. Where oh, we can God. watch where Bryce won by seven points on one. Yeah, okay, cool. Nice. You got a couple of extra placements. But then Frodan going back to back. Corrupted Cup, Mecha Cup. My God. But Deepa had the goaded draft of the set. Somehow picked five of the top nine going to regionals, which 
might be the best fancy performance we'll ever see i don't think we'll ever we'll ever see anyone do something yeah. that, uh, like that unless they go five out of the top eight which is just yeah that, it's i mean it's a, it's a definitely record in points by the way why is midset not on here didn't you go like dead dead last at midset no there's no record of it apparently i went back uh there's no sheets oh I, I i'm pretty sure that was going on well so, so. All, all i mean the, i'm pretty sure you went like giga last at midset and then the other the other thing that happened at midset is that i won the fantasy draft and then malala got to advance and then he scored the points that were the delta that oh, allowed so i think well, i think win the fantasy draft no no i won saying. the fantasy draft and nah. then i can't how did who left it was always oh, the cruise juke you juke you Oh, the cruise. Juke, so Juke you killed my fantasy team. That's mm -hmm. that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Um, all right, all right. Yeah. Well, you'll be hearing from my lawyer. All right. Well, let's go to the closing, shall we? This has been a fantastic, jam-packed episode. But let's wrap it up. So the first thing you want to say, coming up next, if you're looking for your competitive edge, Boxbox is officially announced. Is TFT Bootcamp at the very beginning? There's going to be a two-weeks uh, competition on ladder with. 50 streamers in the pro and casual league pro defined by people who make it to masters plus are you said casual is diamond and below and sign up if you haven't already it's open to anybody to sign up and it'll be up to box box and i guess riot to to select i'm not sure how much Riot has the influence in terms of selection but they are funding that prize pool wajin did you sign up rebate pay did you sign up yep of course excellent bryce did you sign up probably not you, you no man what's it give this box someone who can actually grind other people deserve it <laughs> looking forward to that and of course i love this initiative uh it's one of the best things that grows tft on twitch in particular very very exciting times and then the second in case you missed it is one of the biggest announcements that's ever happened to competitive tft which is the tft global LAN event is coming to las vegas december 8th to 10th 512 player bracket open to everybody across the world in the mgm grand convention ballroom it's gonna be really sick uh so make sure to keep your eyes peeled and i know a lot of people are booking hotel rooms and stuff in advance right people are are, are planning their trips out six months it's gonna be the coolest thing we're calling it tft con because for a lot of like we we might get a picture of more than 20 tft players in a room for the first time ever so that's gonna be really exciting and i hope you guys are gonna be able to join us if you can for that and that brings us to the end of the episode. Thank you for this very long special to wrap set eight, but I'm really glad that we do it every six months to just reflect and uh, preview what's to come. So let's get some final words, starting off with W Asian version. Oh yeah, thank, thank you so much for having me back. Uh, had a lot of fun today talking on the show, talking about all the set eight things. Uh, and hopefully you guys keep doing this in set nine because uh, I have a lot of fun, whether I'm watching or on the podcast. Awesome. Amazing. I'm sure we'll have you back, especially if you keep winning, because that, that, that's kind of what we do. We just invite the people who are winning every event. <laughs> yeah. Tell us how you won. They're like, well, I just got lucky. So uh, re-replay, any final words? Yeah, like, th thank you for having me on. It's always a lot of fun. Like, yeah, both watching, like talking, whatever. Um. Um, yeah, I kind of want to shout out my, wait, can, can I do shout outs or no? Yeah, please. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I want, I want to shout out my Twitch, mostly because um, I'm trying not to go back to working. So I kind of need <laughs> yes. my Twitch to pop off. So yes. <laughs> Are you streaming right after this? We can, we can raid you. Um, no, no, I'm too tired. Uh, okay, yes. all right. No worries. Uh, Bryce, any final words? Set nine is going to be a really interesting battlefield between the three groups you talked about, the old guard, the gen eight and the zoomers. And I honestly don't know who's going to win. And I just can't fucking wait. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Good luck, everybody.
that's right that's right we did everyone we survived Dragonlance. we survived hero augments a new age is upon us the new age of team fight tactics with resources money commitment motivation drive ambitions dreams goals you name it tft is got it this is just the beginning of north america's dynasty in competitive yeah. team fight tactics but that does it for this episode of set a wrap rodan price re-replay and wage and iverson thank you so much for watching and we'll see you next time for more tft action peace